0: Hello, this is episode 14 of the podcast called Blood and Rain. I'm your host, Arthur Dane.
1: Some of us live in the most privileged social circles you could ever think of. We are born into families where nothing ever missed, where any problem could be solved, and yet we feel trapped. Mankind has always striven for survival. A constant search for food-infused fighting with nature's elements. Survival is engraved deep inside our essence. And yet we strive for commodities and grant ourselves with an easy life. Modern day life has taken from us what our ancestors lived by, only to be exchanged with a dream of ease and relaxation. Athletic and hunger left, only to open the door to the stress of modern life. We forgot how to hard gain our food, and we are getting fatter and sadder. There is no denying that we are less tough than our ancestors. We despise the stress of hard work and indulge in the banalities of modern-day commodities. We have forgotten the importance of the necessary stress, what scholars call the beneficial stress. In our humble opinion, there is a much easier way to understand this. We have both, as individuals and as a society, killed the dopamine reward system with constant stimulation without the work through mechanisms that were responsible for the segregation of such hormone. In this context, I have been raised a world where the toughness and necessity have left their spot to the commodities and softness. A world where the norm has been, and will be, the abundance. A dead and not worthy fighting for a world. It is often considered very ungrateful to talk about how some of us, despise our commodities and luxuries, even feel disgusted by the lack of hard-earned things in our lives. We are often told to praise the opulence because anyone in our situation would do the same. It is even considered selfish just the act of trying to live a much simpler or less luxurious life seems hard to comprehend from the outside each one of the lives we live in, how we are often told to praise what we have and to be grateful for all the things that they have given us without any effort or sacrifice from our part. If we think about what freedom truly means, it has this dimension of being able to gain through hard work any right or object, being born with all rights and every material possession desirable only takes our freedom away. We are no more than animals in the most luxurious of jails. We are no more than kings in a golden cage.
0: The golden cage is one of the craftiest weapons of evil imaginable. How the energy of its nature has you feel your insides wither and decay while within its confines. You receive flashing visions of your own radiating light within, dimming, as you see flashes of a higher life vanish as quick as they came as if to tell you that you're slowly but surely killing manifestations of your strongest, highest, and holiest life. Most outside this cage do not possess the capabilities of grasping the realities of your plight. Most see the gold frame glittering to be rushed by awe, seduced by greed, and ultimately consumed with a silent, sure envy. Those outside the cage less spiteful but increasingly afflicted with longing, who harbor the intentions of growth and good for you, will be deceived into words of false affirmation still blinded by the glittering gold that will lay statements of Look just how good you have it and Count your blessings, brother This is the guilt of the crowd This is the propaganda of no author This is the grandeur gone wrong It takes a man struggling with his own sanity and rediscovering the true setting of logic The logic of the modern would see him stay in this gilded prison The logic of the true only reached in the 11th hour is what sparks the greatest change.
1: The spirits have spoken. Once again, they demand my entire presence. Outside the beautiful golden cage, my body dreams with comfort, not with blood and rain.
0: Do not dare shut out the screaming agony of your suppressed soul. You know not the valley of the sun, and it's crippled you. You've bought the con that this glittering gold-gated hell is the brightest light to shine. The only hope for you now is to spend any surplus life force you have left on escaping. For only then can you be more than just a husk. I've traded these paradise delusions for the cold steel this cage is truly forged from. My mind has thrashed through withdrawal of cutting out this gold mirage. The call has come for me to march away from this facade foretold. Yet here I stand, each piece of line denied my rightful exit.
1: How will you do so? The voice asked and made a point. I was no longer alone between the steel, nor the cold from dusk to dawn. A bright sun is being let through, while the outside friendly hands. Don't be scared, for this is help from the ones who understand. Who will I be, once I'm gone from this cruel and golden fraud? I was let out. Now it is my turn to explore this sinful land. Which is the point of going out and not reaching the sun? For now, I only want the calm of war, nor the comfort of my home.
0: There shouldn't be this many men still sleeping standing in cages. I look in horror seeing the surroundings of grander gilded bars. There are many more to resurrect from slumbers we thought exclusive. For when all arise and all grow whole, The final cage can crash from camaraderie. That was a piece that is the first joint written piece of the newly formed Blood and Rain books. It is a piece written with one of the greatest content creators, not only in the sphere, but on Instagram, due to him being... Once again, not only one of the most talented writers in the sphere, but on Instagram. His name is Joe Abra. He hails from Madrid, right in the center of Spain, their majestic capital. And him and I touched base earlier in the year. and I noticed that him and I were of similar minds about quite a few things. And we got on the phone and discussed that eventually we'd like to do a podcast. But we thought it'd be best to get get to know each other a bit more first. And with his writing prowess, I thought it best that we begin to work on a piece of writing together. And the concept is truly his, and I feel very privileged to join him in writing it. And it's a concept that comes from his heart, as he is a man who truly bears his soul. I'm very pleased to have him on the podcast, and I very hope you enjoy what he has to say, although... I have no doubt that you will. Joe Bra, how are you?
1: Well, thank you very much. Uh, firstly, uh, there is no way I'm here those those compliments you have told your audience, but I'm really, really <laughs> pleased to be here and really, really thank you. And picking up what you have said what what truly amazed me, like I remember I was deep into my exams and I got this message from from you and you said, Hey, you wanna do a podcast? and and the idea of it it has been so slow cooked like we we've been really taking our time into this matching our crazy agendas so this this really makes uh, um, or takes out of me a, a spine i had since early 2021 it's been a really slow cooked podcast and i'm really happy to be here
0: i'm very happy to have you on Um, and yeah, it's, it, it has, it has been slow cooked. And honestly, that's, what's been, you know, I mean, it's, it's something truly Spanish, you know, to be spending the day with, with, with friends, you know, standing around something you're cooking that won't be, you know, consumed until nightfall. So being of, you know, despite it being Canarian blood, my, my Spanish heritage, it's still Spanish nonetheless. So I find, um, I find that there are no coincidences, especially in this age that we're getting into and, um. This is one of the beautiful synchronicities, indeed. Um, so I've been I've been very much looking forward to this, and um, there's 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 so much there's so much to discuss. I mean, your your writing is so rich, and I'm sure many people want to know the the mind um, behind Joabra, behind this wonderful page that's giving this very fiery, passionate yet still grounded and analytical and earnest content. So. I would love to know more because, folks, for all you listeners, the, the golden cage is a concept that Joel Brock came up with as it's something that he feels as where he is and being such a prominent content creator, he feels it's it's something that hits home. So I don't, I don't want to speak for you too much on it. So maybe if you could go into sort of your background and why you felt the background leading up to. Why you got into content creation, and why you felt so compelled to to come up with this concept, the golden pa- the golden cage, for this uh, for this piece?
1: So back back forward in a little like in past October or something like that, I was discussing with one of my of my closest friends how the main problem with with my life at the moment was I I, I had like year and a half, something like that, I lost a ton of weight, I stopped smoking, I stopped stopped drinking, so I had like a a really sudden change in how my life was, and one of the problems I was reaching, I was getting around a lot of people that, or did not know me before my huge change, or if they know, know me, they wouldn't know the whole story. So I was talking to one of them, and I said, "Hey, I really would like to start sharing my journey because my like my real friends are really tired of me sharing the, the same old stories." And he told me, "Yeah, sure, go ahead." So if you go to my early post, the the idea behind it it was really sharing my journey to old age, how I really wanted to get fit, lift as 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 fit as possible until i was old but along the way i started seeing all these creators online and they started giving me a dimension that i thought i would never share and there is one thing of going or of each one of our journeys to old age. It's the physical journey. It's really easy to go to the gym, uh, start lifting weights, and live a fit life. But the problem is with the mental journey. It is really hard to stay in, in our sanity and go ahead to all age. So I started doing something that, that, that most people ask me a lot of how is my writing process. And I started just publishing my thoughts. And at the end of the day... I started growing, growing I remember one of my early talks with Iwal Academy he was saying how my writing was starting to gain a lot of traction, and then I started having a lot of people reaching out on how is your writing process how are your ideas being shared so, and just as a brief summary my content at the end of the day has left behind any kind of physical progress because I think there's much better people sharing their way and um, far more intelligent people in order to share how is a proper way to do things. But on the emotional part and the mental side, I think having a Spanish background and having been raised with both, with both languages, as I talked to you yesterday, it gives me another dimension of the words. So I think when I'm trying to share... Ideas. I'm often more passionate about them just because mm, the way we see words here in Spain. So I think I, I got way of track with, um, with the introduction, but this is a brief summary. I started on a physical way, I ended up on an emotional and philosophical way, and here I am um, with people telling me that I know how to write.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well. I mean people are telling you you know how to write because you do know how to write, plain and simple. Um, I, I always appreciate humility, but the fact of the matter is you are immensely talented. And that's why a lot of people um, seek you out. and that's why you know people sort of blow up your DMs when you go through one of the more busier periods of your life in school and exams and everything. But I wanted to um, I wanted to keep building upon or keep, keep hearing more about um, a point you just touched on during the writing process, you, um, you had mentioned that you were worried that some words in Spanish weren't properly, you weren't properly conveying your intentions in the writing in English, um, because of some of, some potential mistranslations from Spanish, and my father used to tell me all the time that there's there's this passion there's this energy there's this truly deep meaning in a lot of words in the Spanish language that really doesn't make it into English through translation so I would love to I would love to hear more about that and I'd love to hear you go more down that road and and your experience between the two languages
1: well um one of the crazy facts about spanish that people often don't realize is that i think we are, are the big um, three languages we are the language with less uh, words i think it, I, I don't know the exact number but compared to english that has around seven hundred thousand words like spanish it's really it's ridiculous it, it, it's laughable so here in spain we have a lot of words with crazy amount of meaning behind it like it's, really common to have words that depending on the context may have 10, 15, or 20 meanings, so I am really lucky because I started to learn English when I was really, uh, really really small, so I'm able to have a thought process in English, but the problem with that is how I perceive reality, I was raised in Spain and I perceive reality with a Spanish mind, so it's really hard for me to perceive reality as, as I've told some people sometime because reality at the end of the day has to do a lot with the culture you were born in reality for me and you may be the same but we don't we do not perceive it in the same way so the problem with english not a problem but the difference with spanish is how for me that reality has less ideas to grasp or to hold on to because i haven't been raised in that way So I'm really worried that sometimes when I perceive the reality and I'm doing my thought process in English, because one of the things that I try not to do, and I think I I do it quite often, is not do the translation Spanish-English or English-Spanish, because on on the translation, the famous phrase lost in translation, it's actually real. So Mm -hmm. you you lose a lot of of important... um, little details on the translation process. So wh- when I think and do my th- thought process in English, I feel like I don't grasp as many details from reality. And that, that is one of my biggest fears. So sometimes I might overdo with the, with the adverbs or the adjectives because I think I might lose what I'm trying to, to transmit.
0: See, what's fascinating about that is when you sort of analyze the the origins of the two languages and you analyze the you analyze the culture surrounding them you analyze the weather you analyze certain attitudes regarding certain aspects of existence for lack of a better term you see a language in spanish in a very a very with the exception of you know like the north galicia um, you know all these places that are a bit more Celtic looking if you go to Galicia it looks like Ireland um, and same thing with El país Vasco um, the most of Spain is is very very fiery very sunny it's 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 a land it's a land of the sun really and it's people are open people are very expressive but it's like they're almost emitting more energy towards towards people when they speak I noticed this when I was um, visiting family in bursia i noticed this when i was visiting family in marbella um it's they they, they speak with this subtext but it's a much more fiery emotionally and passionately charged subtext whereas having lived in england there are more descriptive words it's things are calmer things are for lack of a better term, it's, some people have described England as reserved, but I don't necessarily think that's the right word. They're a culture that also leans very much on understatement. They're a culture that also leans very much on subtext. Now, it's, it's almost like you hear you hear subtext being used quite a bit, both in Spain and in England, but in completely different ways and for completely different reasons. It seems like it's more culturally wired in the language itself in England and the use of it, whereas the origins of the subtext in Spain and with Spanish are more inherent from the very beginning of a language that's been less polluted by outside entities you know, post-Umayyad cali- post, you know, I- Islamic you know, the Umayyad Caliphate that had taken over Spain for quite some time and called it Al-Andalus for those, a little history lesson for the origins of Spain for some of the listeners but what's interesting is you seem you seem to fill the gaps with the adjectives and the adverbs that you choose so you're actually vocalizing the the subtext and you're vocalizing the energy surrounding the words of a language that uses less words in general does that does that make any sense like that that's that's the grass I'm getting from your writing my long-winded way of saying you're expressing, your, you're expressing yourself very effectively in English. Thank you. Also, in, in addition, the, the funny
1: part about Spanish, when people, like, when an outsider listens to Spanish, there's always these, these jokes that Spanish people talk really fast. And it, it is actually true. We're the language that says... The most syllables per second, not words, syllables. No, sorry, at, uh, most words. Syllables is English. So we are able to transmit a lot of stuff with very few words in a lot in 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 very little time. So when I'm writing, one of the problems that I face is I'm used to transmitting a lot in my day-to-day or as we're speaking English so when I'm writing in English or talking in English
0: I feel like my head goes
1: 20 times faster than what I'm able to transmit so then I feel like if there is a traffic jam in my head and in my mouth and I'm trying to to share some ideas and I'm, all, I'm only on the first idea but my head, head is already on the conclusion of the fourth idea. So, even an you add that I have to use a lot of objectives uh, uh, because I feel like I'm missing a lot of reality. In my head there's like this huge uh, traffic jam when I'm speaking English because I feel like I'm going too slow, I'm missing out on reality and I'm not able to transmit as properly as I can. So there's
0: a lot of confusion <laughs> when I'm writing. That's, <laughs> I, I certainly, I certainly got that when we had our first initial phone call back in January too. It's like, this sort of, it's almost like this, this sort of bottlenecking of ideas due to like sort of the, the faster, the quicker pace of being able to think in Spanish versus be able to speak in English. And um, I remember I was, I was speaking with Nature Chad, who's, who's from Croatia. And we we spoke after, and it's just like, you know, it's funny, I couldn't get my ideas as quickly as out, so I felt like I was being more careful with my words. Well, that's good, because there are a lot of people who speak English who don't have a filter, and then they blurt out things that, you know, necessarily aren't the best. So I would see that as more of a gift than anything. Um, especially, especially here in the United States, you know, people will just speak everything that comes directly from their minds. Um, but, so... I, w- I would love to know more as well about how you grew up. Like, what was your, your upbringing like? What was it like gr- growing up in such a bustling metropolis that is Madrid? Um, and how that sort of shaped you to who you are today?
1: Well, the, there is this thing that Madrid actually compared to the rest of cities in Europe, it's a pretty small city. Like, we, a lot of people in Madrid, including myself, don't consider madrid to be an european city and we call it what what it's called a a castilian city a city from castilla Mm -hmm. because we we have um, far more in common with the southern part of spain in terms of calmness of not being that rough uh, slow pace but the problem with that is that in the past few years madrid has has been attracting a lot of people from all parts of Spain con, um, at the same time that Barcelona has been declining. Uh, for anyone listening, the, B- Barcelona was kind of a small city. They had the, the Olympic Games. It blew up. It it made Barcelona the biggest city in Spain, the, the most European, the, the more open and liberal city. And for the past few years, without getting into any of politics, uh, bad choices from the regional government and political movements have made have made Barcelona not the first city in Spain nor the second, and is on the way to be the third city in Spain after Sevilla. So the thing with Madrid, it has experienced a lot of changes in the past years. So when I was small, Madrid for me was like this con city because I was used to go to the states. I saw New York, I saw Toronto, uh, Toronto in Canada. But <laughs> I, I saw how the cities work there and. When I came back here, I, I always saw Madrid as this slow paced city, but in the past years there has been a change in Madrid, so what I or what I consider to be my normal day life, now it has like fast paced times 10. So there is, at least for me, and I know that for sure that for a couple of my friends too, we we have experienced like a huge change in how Madrid works, and I think it is affecting us a lot. Because I'm and, and going back to your question: growing up in Madrid in a this like calm place, it made me be really 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 careful with what I with what I thought, with what I shared, and how I behaved. And then I used to go to the States, where it was like chaotic, everything was fast paced. So I had like that duality inside me. And now Madrid is going on that same way. So I'm starting to see a lot more of my, my American personality, if you want to call it something like that, uh, flourish and come out uh, apart from the calm and relaxed way that I thought I was raised in.
0: That's interesting. So that's a similar thing that happened out here in the Bay Area. Um, you know, San Francisco was, you know, San Francisco and Oakland—they're just a bridge apart. So you had these two cities. Well, we call one the city, and we call Oakland the town. But um, you had these two, these two places that, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of culture that came out of there, but it wasn't this sort of bustling metropolis anymore. It had its waves of prosperity, and then it would sort of get a bit sleepier at times, and. I started to notice with the the rise of tech post... I mean, you you had multiple rises of technology from the 80s to the 90s, and then we had the 99 crash, and then we had the the September 11th crash in 2001. Um, But despite that, you had Google and Apple blowing up through the mid-2000s with Steve Jobs and all the Google millionaires making some serious headway, and then the rise of Facebook as well. So you have these three massive companies... Um, all in the sort of peninsula area south of San Francisco, move into the Bay Area, and I didn't see it till later, having grown grown up in the East Bay, but you started to see it just got more and more crowded, and you saw rents rise, you saw costs rise, and you're like, wait, what the hell's going on? Um, you, started, you started to see lists of the Bay Area be as expensive as New York City and London, so we knew something was, was run amok, so I can absolutely understand what you're saying, it's just you know, it, it's made it far less livable, even though it's a place that you've, you've grown up in. Um, but as far as so, did you, you did a lot of tr- did you live in America for times? Or did you just do a lot of travel with, with family, or what, what brought you to America at such a young age?
1: Well, I did um, a lot of travel. Um, I used to go to the summer camp, and I was pretty pretty lucky. And and part of it is because I was raised in a golden cage. I was able to go overseas a lot when I was a kid. So, I probably, probably, if you sum up all the times that I've been in, in the States, it would sum up like for three or four years out of my life in, separ- in separate months and weeks. But, like, for three or four months of my time, I, I, I've i been in the States. Three or four years, sorry, of my life, I've been in the States. And plus, you had the. The, all the influence that I had growing up because I was able to have all means of access to books, movies, internet. So American culture has been a huge part of me since I was really, really smart. Uh,
2: like I remember,
1: um, I, I, I never know the name of the show, but there was this show that I used to watch on, on an iPod at night my friends at camp gave me and it was this show like of uh, a of play-doh characters that fought in a, on a, on, a, on a boxing arena so I came to Spain and I told my friends hey there's this show of people fighting in of play-doh characters fighting in arena and nobody watched it so I, I did a lot of consuming content by my own so a lot of part a, a huge part of me has been American culture with without even noticing.
0: Wow. And so, what 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 part of what part of uh, the country was the summer campaign like? What 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 part of the United States really molded you the most in, in like in pairing with your your Madridian background?
1: Well, it was in upstate New York, and there were people from very very different parts of the country. Um, and I had a lot of people from, from New Mexico. A lot of the counselors were from New Mexico. New Mexico, So for me, it was kind of weird because there were these guys from New Mexico, which at the time I thought it was Mexico, which <laughs> did not speak a, a word of Spanish. And which the hardest uh, trouble for them had been going to the camp in upstate New York. And I was like, you've never left the country you're from new mexico you don't speak any spanish so (laughs) tell me what's the deal with so it was like a huge uh, contract contrast for me because here in spain there is this saying that people they don't have money for in order to pay rent but they have money to travel like we are a country that loves traveling because of for, for the sake of traveling and for the sake of telling your neighbors hey i have money and i can travel and and maybe they're like deep in 10k of that so it was really really contra it was a huge contrast for me to see people from new mexico with with very different background of the people from upstate new york in the in the summer camp At, at, at the end of the day i had no clue or on how the states worked so it was really weird for me that a guy from for example uh, New England uh, hated a guy from Texas, and I had no idea why. Then, over the years, I started understanding why they might hate each other. So it, it, it was it was pretty fun to understand the contrast um, when when I grew up. To be honest,
0: wow. That's um, yeah. I guess that would be the equivalent if I if I went to Spain and I had no clue why, you know. The, 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 all the people speaking Catalan would be upset with me speaking Spanish you know, walking around Barcelona um, <laughs> you know, they get, they'd get get annoyed with me for speaking, you know, Spanish in Spain um, and then you do a little research and you start to understand but, um, so it sounds like, so you, you, your parents provided quite a bit were you an only child growing up or did you have siblings, or
1: I have uh, three siblings but, um, like, we all have the same opportunities, so so at the end of the day, we were
0: all raised never in cages. Wow. So, gr- growing up, so you, you get you get sent to you have, you have a family that seems to you know seriously be looking after you for better or for worse, and. You know they're they're sending you they're sending you to the states for a summer camp. You're traveling quite a bit. You're experiencing, different things and how. Did did you, what was there, what was the point where you sort of realized? So you mentioned you lost a lot of weight, you stopped smoking. Like, what was the sort of like rise into, you know, you really starting to wither from, as you call it, this golden cage you were living in? and, And what sort of woke you up to sort of get fitter and just start your own agency within your own life? Like, what did that process look like? Was it a single event or was it gradual or?
1: Yeah, actually it was a single event. I Like one day I was going to bed and I, and I got this call from a, a really close friend of mine and he tells me, hey, um, I'm down near your house, please come down, let's let's grab a, a beer and then you can go back to sleep. And as soon as I was going down to meet with him, he calls me and he says, hey, uh, take, just grab the car keys, uh, maybe... Maybe we move and we go to another place. So I grab my car keys. I grab a beer with him, and he says, "Hey, there is this cousin of mine. She's having a party. Let's go to her house. It was like five minute drive away, and let's let's stay there." So we were at the party. I was I was I was not drinking at all because I had the car. And then he, he calls me again and he says, "Hey, this party is ending. Let's go to another party, like kind of outside Madrid." It was at like for the fun part about Madrid is like, outside Madrid, it's a 10-minute it's a ten minute car ride, it's like 15 miles max, so we go there, and then at the end of the night, like 6, 4, 7, 7 a.m., we we go out, and then I, I grab the car, I only had a couple of beers and a, and a gin and tonic, like at 2 a.m., so I, I figure I was fine, so I grabbed the car, and then we, we're going back to, to Madrid, and then there's these this police control, and they tell me, hey, so get out of the car and, and we'll do the alcohol test. And I was like, yeah, sure, fine. Like, I haven't drink at all. So I take the, the alcohol test, and if the normal number, for example, is 10, they tell me 0.18. And I was like, no way. Like, there's no possible way. And I ask again, hey, are you sure it's not 0.018? And he tells you no. So long story short, Uh, The nicest of policemen, uh, he told me like, no worry, Uh, he he helped me a lot because he thought that maybe I was not drunk, and I was actually not drunk. So at the end of the day, fast forward again, I'm I'm laying in bed the next day, and then I grabbed this book that one of my brothers had had gifted me. And this book has a phrase that I like a lot. That it's, we do not get old. Sorry, we do not st- stop training because we get old. We get old because we stop training. And then something clicked in my head, and I say, Hey, you're, you're tw- 21. You're overweight as fucked, You just got caught up uh, drinking with the car, even though I was not drunk. And you, you need to start doing something. And then everything like start following so smooth like I had a lot of exams the following weeks so I was not at home at any moment so I, I there was no way I could possibly uh, eat a lot then I had no party, so I could not drink so it was like a like a lot of um, events that follow each other and then like it was March and and I had lost six kilos without doing anything I think six kilos is close to 10 pounds something like that and I said hey this is working, let's get serious, and, and then everything followed back. Like, it was a series of events, really,
0: really fortunate events, to be honest. Wow. See, per- first of all, that's such a contrast between, you know, police in somewhere like Spain versus police in the United States, you know. The police officer isn't going to look at you and say, you know what, no, you're not that drunk, it's fine. You know, it will be very much... Well, you're you're over the limit, so you're under you're under arrest for DUI. But it's to simple. be honest, like,
1: I was re- I got really lucky and, and I was really really polite. And also, I think I told him one thing that may have been key in order to him letting let me go. That is, here in Spain, you cannot be a fully qualified lawyer. I'm studying law, for I was wondering. You cannot be a fully a fully qualified lawyer if you have any criminal record. So, for me, if he had processed that that drinking ticket as a as a criminal offense, I would have not been able to be a lawyer. Like, I think I would still have to wait like three years from now, and this was two and a half years ago. So I could not I could have not been a lawyer for five years and i told him that and i think he'd
0: play a little in my, in my favor well that was certainly smart i mean it sounds like it's, it sounds like not only did you get a little lucky with the police officer and there, there's there's certainly some there's certainly some cultural aspect there's a cultural factor here for sure um, but it sounds like you finesse this accordingly and you, you planted just the right seeds in order for him to you know make a decision towards something rooted in a bit more logic rather than a hardline marker um but that's okay that, that that that's that's interesting to me um so that uh, that event right then and there was sort of a catalyst like even though you weren't you weren't under arrest um but that 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 little sequence right there just took you just enough to sort of get you to start thinking that's thats that's what it took yeah,
1: and then it got, like, I I have phases on, on this journey, like, this past February has been two years, no, three, no, two, two years, yeah, since that of it. so in those two years I've been, like, through, call it phases, call it whatever you want, but, like, when that started, one of the things that I, that I took off my mind, like, I, one of the main problems that I think I had in my life, I've been lucky enough to have everything, so when I, even though I was not probably the best, the best son or the best friend, I had everything, so I started to go through a minimalist uh, phase, so I got, um, I sold a lot of stuff, um, I I gave people a lot, a lot of stuff, I was uh, losing a lot of weight, so I had to give to charity all of my old clothes and buy new ones. And one of the premises that I had in my face, in, in my face, in my head is to have as little as possible and to be as happy a- as possible with the things that I had. So that minimalistic f- uh, phase also helped me a lot in order to be where am I where am I right now? Because one of, that phase also it ended up like I used to be a like. I was so annoying. I used to be a, a blogger wannabe on Instagram. Like I had this and, and the thing is I was so fat I was um really really scared or or not proud of my physical aspect. So instead of publishing photos of myself, I published photos of, of people or or cool places where I would travel. So I was like this kind of blogger wannabe, so I decided to delete all of my Instagrams, uh, my Twitter, left social media for nine months, and then, when I was fully healed in in my head, I started to leave again, but having in mind that minimalistic phase that I had, and that was like October 20... 2019, yeah, or 20, yeah, no, October 2020, so like, almost... October 2020? Yeah. So, so, I started to recover my, my social media health less
0: than a year ago. Wow. So, th- there's, a, there's a phrase that keeps being floated around that I didn't, I hadn't really heard until, um, I hadn't actually heard until the pandemic started. And it was, it's monk mode, basically. Um, and apparently, I, fr- I forget the name of the person. Um, who sort of coined this this monk mode term, but there's, there's great content creators on Instagram who are sort of documenting, resetting their lives, going monk mode, so meaning they're getting rid of television, um, they're getting rid of you know social media for pleasure, so only for posting, and then they sort of just leave. Um, they're getting rid of sugar, they're getting rid of stimulants, so no caffeine, no alcohol, no drugs, no sex, you know, no porn, no nothing. So it's they're sort of really going into this blank canvas. They're resetting. They're going into a monk mode. Um, I first heard this last year. Then, then I came across uh, Monk Mode Health, who began his account on January 1st. Who He's coming up on his, on his first 90 days. His, he has a 90-day video journey. He's absolutely thriving right now. You can just see the transformation in him. And Wilhelm, uh, Evil Academy. He, uh, he talked about how he went monk mode, he shaved his head. But I went monk mode by being in the Orthodox Church. I didn't know it was, you know, it was called monk mode. I had I'd actually been approached by one of the, the monastics at the church if I had been considering life eventually as a monastic. And I said, at the time, yes. Um, but I was doing it just to deepen, deepen my faith, and I was doing it to deepen my physical training. But it it sounds like you as well. You sort of went into this this this. You went into this sort of monk mode without really realizing, what it was. So, what was the thought process, in getting rid of everything? It's just, you just you just wanted to reset. How how do you think that was going to assist in your sort of in your weight loss? When you when you went down this sort of weight loss journey, was it more than just a weight loss journey? Were you just trying to transform completely as a person, like? What was what was more of that initial catalyst mindset as well?
1: Well, to be honest, like there was there was no no means to it. It was just a, like a phase, as I have said. I, I did not start it a, to be like a permanent thing or nor nor like a temporal thing. I just lived day by day, and the process at the end of the day, what what really started. to to show is that my weight loss had a lot to do with my mental health at the moment because one of the main problems that I think there is associated with weight loss is that in order to be or that this is my opinion of course in order to be fully physical fit you need to have a, a fully fitted head because if you don't do that, I, at the end of the day, when you are weak, you're going to eat a lot. You're going to have uh, huge uh, food hangovers. You're gonna um, go to the to the kitchen and eat everything as possible. So, one of the biggest things that I did that was the hardest for me, I started doing intermittent fasting, but extreme intermittent fasting. This is, I think, at the time I have. I've been doing it for more than a year in a row, and I usually uh, just eat one time, one time a day. So at the beginning of it, in, and in my way to be as minimalistic as possible, I eat it just once a day, but the problem is that I, I did not know how to handle it. So I would eat one time one time a day, and um, the weeks pass by, and then I would always have this huge uh, meal where, where I would eat sugar, eat like shit because my mind was not ready for the process. So what it really helped of this monk mode was not the where I wanted to go, was being, being conscious of the day-to-day basis of being left with as little as possible. So my, I, I think, I, I could probably say that my monk mode has been like separate days, so I did at the end of the day, my, in, for the past few years, my monk mode ha, has been maybe 400 out of 550 days,
0: so it's been a daily monk mode, it's, it's been pretty fun to be honest. See, y- y- it, it, it sound, As you kept going through that sort of description of it, it, it sounded, you sort of revved up more and more and more excitement, it sounds like this is truly the way you want to live. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, there's, it's, like, what's interesting is you, you sort of said, all right, you came back to life, like, you you sort of came back to more, in, being more integrated and, in, for lack of a better term, society. But you, 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 you maintain this sort of this extreme intermittent fasting, which, by the way, is actually peddled by, um, one of the, the strength and conditioning minds that, um, is, is is a big is a big part of my my training knowledge. Pavel stops He he eats one meal a day because has too much work to do. So he doesn't even want me want you want to burn food, first of all, that's also a very oh, oh, almost it, it's like the antithesis of of being of being Spanish because you know you know it's like throughout the day you see a friend you get some tapas here you know you get some get, get a drink here like you said a gin and tonic you know, have some pinchos here you know it's it's. It's, it's very it's...
1: Yeah, my, my friends totally hate it, but at the end of the day, I, I I used to be really, really strict, and now I'm I'm more calm on it because I know that if, for example, if if one friend one friend calls me now and, and says, hey, today is playing Atletico, let's go to a bar, grab a pizza. Like I'm not stupid. I'm going. I'm going to do it because I I I've come to realize that there's far more things apart from being as healthy as possible for the longest possible so my, my in my head my positive balance is that at the end of the year i've been or i've behaved in a monk mode for more than 300 days so i let my, myself 65 days that i can in theory be more relaxed so i'm not stupid i used to be really really stupid but now i control myself for, and and i I'm, I'm not an idiot, so if someone, someone calls me, I'm going to go with, th- with them and grab something. But the thing that I'm really, really strict with is alcohol. I I haven't drink anything since uh, August uh, 20, 2019, and I don't plan on going back to that, because I feel like alcohol has been the, the biggest deterrent for me for all the bad thoughts or the actions that have Or had made me who I was before
0: these these That seems to be the one that everyone nails down. You have the you have the sort of stoners. You have the smoke the people who smoke weed and I'm sure you encounter people in Spain who smoke hash. You know, my mother told me some horror stories, you know, people who smoke hash on rooftops. Um, Yeah. And have you have people who have the video game addictions. I think another one another big one is the porn addiction, but it seems to be that the most tangible addiction, like when people nail it down to one thing, a lot of it the time it is pornography, but most of the time I hear alcohol. And you know, I'm a bartender, I've been a bartender by trade. You know, it's been one of my main sources of income for, gosh, I think four years now. Um, but you know, and when I initially started as a bar back, you know, I had to earn my way to becoming a bartender, Um, I, I was coming off of training and I was training every single day and I just saw this is a way of painting, paying for my training as a fighter and eventually, you know, making money with writing. Um, so I, I didn't drink at all. I was like, oh, I'll just be the, the the hardest working man in the room. And I was, but I noticed, you know, part of the reason why they weren't sort of inching me towards promotion is I wasn't showing any interest in the craft. So I had to start drinking in order to show enthusiasm to get a bid for a promotion and, you know, I, I got into it, I got into cocktails, I got into sort of the recipes and the creative side of it, and it became a very, you know, it became a very enriching practice, you know, creating cocktails for people for certain purposes, it was, it's definitely a creative outlet, and I could, you know, draw income from it, but um, I, I've never had, like, an addictive gene to alcohol, I've never really, I, I've never had any kind of problem with alcohol either, but and I notice, like, even if I have like one or two drinks, I just I feel the weight in the system. You know, I just if I I can I can so do without it, especially. You know, it doesn't make any sense. i I'm, I'm ethnically, if we're just speaking in terms of large countries, you know, Spanish, French, and Italian, and my body completely rejects wine. And it's just absolutely backwards. Um, whereas like a hard alcohol, you know, passes through my body much better, but still alcohol nonetheless. It's just. Personally, I, I can do without it, you know, I can just, just what it, there's, there's no benefits to, to, to drinking physically at least, maybe you can speak in terms of be having a jovial atmosphere, but that can also get away from you, like that party atmosphere that you're speaking about. Yeah, totally. You know, it's just I, I,
1: I used to, to limit myself to beers, and the problem is that my limitation to beers was having, for example, a five a one-liter bottles for each party, so... There was no sense of me limiting alcohol, for example, gin and tonics because I was going to smash my face with beer. And another thing that people don't realize is that here in Spain we have both really, really, really cheap alcohol and we start drinking since we are really, really young. So people are used to, and the the most common thing is whenever you have a party, probably every Friday or Saturday, the main thing was to drop a... Uh, almost a little a, a, a bottle of one liter and it was shared between two pe- two people so you were really drinking what in other countries would be a, a week's worth of alcohol in just one night because we've been raised like that there is no alcohol limitation uh, people in bars or, or or nightclubs don't give you the the drinks with uh, regulators. the regulators, they just tell you, hey, tell me when to stop. So, like here, alcohol in Spain is a really, really, really big social uh, ritual, but also it's a really, really big thing in terms of it's really hard to stop the the, the drinking spiral. Like you need to sit down, and, and when you sit down, you start to see all the different temptem- temptations that you have. And... I, I, I don't know where the country is i don't know the, i don't know the reality but in spain like for those listening that don't know how how alcohol in spain works it's a really 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 big thing both beer wine and hard alcohol so it was a really hard thing to sit down nail it down and, and tell myself hey don't stop, stop drinking
0: wow it's so it's, it's social pressure too in a country that's so centered around socializing and congregation as well it's like that's 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 a much bigger part of of this of the day-to-day life there whereas like the united states it's like we have to we, we work our asses off we work ourselves to the bone and then it's like we get like maybe like one window you know like a couple hours on a saturday night or something and you see people get absolutely obliterated you know and they're just the next day they' they're, they're just hung over beyond belief on a Sunday and they barely make it into Monday and um, I, I remember I, I got dragged there's, there's um in the, in the Bay Area there's three major cities so it's like you have San Francisco you have um, Oakland and then the, uh, further south there's San Jose which is actually the biggest city in the Bay area and I got dragged down there on like a Sunday night to go see a concert and the concert was great but then I come outside and I see all these people on a Sunday night just partying, like, it they just, they just got off work on a Friday, and you hear people like, oh, work's gonna suck tomorrow, and I was like, Jesus Christ, man, like, people drink like you, people drink like you don't want to live, um, yeah. so, it's, it's, it's a creeping, it's a, it's a creeping substance, it's like, that masking of social could actually be the downfall of someone's life, and, you know, you yourself, you weren't that this encounter with this very friendly cop and that could have been that could have been you know the, the massive delay to towards your life path as being a, being a lawyer i know you're working on a master's right now um definitely and in addition
1: the main problem that i have with alcohol or with any substance is that the, the, one of the things that i'm starting to feel like that each each year of my life feels like less and less uh, durable in, in the means that one year of my of my 23 years life is not as it, it's far more than it's going to be one year out of 50. it's going the proportion is much much higher so i don't want to spend my 20s which in proportion are going to be the the, the days that feel like the, the longest to me i don't want to to spend them without knowing what would what happens. I want to live as much as possible, being the most conscious as possible. And alcohol takes away that from you, both the, the longevity and the consciousness.
0: Absolutely. The key, the key word being consciousness, because there are some people who really don't... Whether it be with alcohol, whether it be with pornography or video games... Or sometimes it can be over-socializing. There are some people who are just deathly afraid of being alone with their own thoughts. It's like that's why they—that's why you constantly see them socializing. A lot of the time, the alcohol addiction is a secondary thing from people running from their own thoughts. It's part of this overarching issue of escapism. And it doesn't—it doesn't sound like you were struggling with that at all. It just sounds like the, the, the social aspect just got away from you. Um, a little bit, but I, I, I'm I'm curious again, like I'm I'm curious. So, your maybe your teenage years, like what? Because I I find that when people speak on the the times that develop the most, they think of their te- they speak of their teenage years, and they speak of the period that you're in right now in your early twenties, where it very it's, everyone on Instagram can vary, especially in the sphere can very clearly see that you're flourishing right now, but so you you have this you have this you have this you know very well-off family that's taking care of everything. You live in Madrid, you know. Um, I know you have a very passionate, passionate um, sort of dedication to Atlético Madrid. Um, yes, definitely. So I, I'm curious to hear what your teenage years were like. You know, what what made you become a lawyer? Was that is your are your father or mother a lawyer? What what drew you to that, and how how you sort of, the the road towards your early twenties now. That's some, before you hit the monk mode. I'm I'm curious what that was like for you. So in in, uh,
1: in terms of people near my or um, or my friends, you could. You could possibly say that my my teen years were pretty normal, but once you start to grow up and start to comparing my teenage teenage years to the rest of Spanish people's teenage years, I started to see that I was far more privileged than I than I, that I, I was worth for. So, if you probably pin down all my years since I was 14 or 15, probably 14, that was the the year like I had what in Spain we call the it, it, like the, the edad del pavo, which is really like the the, the year of the peacock, not not year, but the, the like, yeah, the, the, the age of the peacock, because we start going, like, guys turn like, idiotic and start doing crazy shit, so if you <laughs> count or pin down those moments, you know, since I was 14, you probably have, like, and an I'm really, really sure about this, you have, like, five, four, six... Events that, if those events happen outside my my current social circle, I would probably be one or uh, really outside my house with no education or uh, probably alone. Because there were there were things that they're tolerable, tor- 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 oh fuck! Uh, they're allowed, n- not not allowed, but you're able to do them because there's someone behind that. It, it's going to or pay for the for the event that you have to to pay anything, or be behind in order to tell you, hey, this is not the right way. So I was really lucky in those terms. But my teenage years, I think, they were probably based on video games, uh, smoking, drinking, uh, partying, uh, not giving a fuck about school, because he spent the division between. Uh, school, high school, and college is not that is not that clear for the state. So, I spent thirteen years in the same school. So, the years passed by. I I did not give a fuck. Um, and the problem with that is that you have to decide what you want to do with life. So, I really wanted to do anthropology, uh, history, and and archaeology. And my parents told me, "Hey, that's pretty cool." But if you if you want to have Hot food on your on your plate, please reconsider. So, so my my, my one of my of my siblings gave me um a, a book about the history of law. I I've read it in a, in a week or so, and I said, hey, I want to I, I want to go to, to study law again. I i a great uni for into a great law school here in Spain. Again, I was able because of where I was born. And then my eighteens and nineteens were pretty normal in terms of of social activities. Again, a lot of smoking, a lot of drinking. Then I got into a crazy and one of the most toxic toxic relationships you could ever think of. I often say like I, I really don't like to talk about it because there's a lot of things that I have not or I have yet to exteriorize. Because and and, and doing a, a brief stop on the subject and for those listening th- the main problem with toxic relationships i don't care if they are with your parents your your boyfriend girlfriend your friends your your whatever your dog the main problem with them is that you start to normalize a lot of uh, situations that are not got that they are, are, are not n- near uh, normal situations And there's a really really huge risk with that because it takes away your freedom once you start going and meeting new people because there are situations that you're going to behave no way near the norm because you've interiorized mm, situations that they are not or healthy or or normal and and i really want to 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 let people know that, that don't interiorize or don't normalize situations that they're not normal so going back again, uh, got out of the relationship, go on the classic uh, two-month uh, crash yourself—that is, drinking, drinking, smoking, partying uh, as as long as you can—and then fast forward four or five months, uh, uh, the, the famous event of the policeman. So wh- when you start looking at my teenage years like that, the only thing that, that I can say is that I've wasted a lot of time but on the other part I was lucky enough to have a family that provided me with culture with books with um, all the things that I wanted in order to enrich my my knowledge so it was like two sides of the same coin you had the the side of the of the guy drinking and the side of the guy reading while he was hungover so it's been a a, a fun and crazy teenage years that probably I would revisit them but I would not touch anything of, the, of that, because I did a lot of stuff that people my age are starting to do now, so I had a lot of, of knowledge of what not to do at the moment, so it's been a crazy journey, like a roller coaster.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it sounds like, too, you, you, you touched upon sort of this notion that maybe you waste time, but... You seem to have a pretty, he- I think you have a much healthier relationship with that time that you waste, you quote unquote wasted, than I do, because I sort of look back on any time that I've wasted just enraged. You know, I look at myself, I'm like, it's sort of like, yeah, you know, maybe I know what I don't want to do, but I don't care because I wish I could have used that time to some kind of training. I wish I could have used that time to to making more money or writing or, or what have you. So it sounds like you have a much more. You have, a, you have a much healthier relationship with that, and it seems to be serving you, and you seem to be at peace with where you're at right now. What's, And th- that, that's, that sort of brings you now. So you, you, you had this sort of, you, you, you call it like a, a, a wannabe blogger, but if you're blogging, you're blogging, even if you're not sharing photos of yourself. But So you have this law side to you. You know, you went through you went through your ups and downs in your teenage years. You did a lot of trial and error. Where did the where did the writing start? Because it sounded like you're blogging before before this well, Jawabra um, account. The
1: the the writing. I think one of the the biggest things that often people say that you people are born with this writing ability or talent. I'm like I'm one of the guys that that defend that there is no such thing as talent. You just been lucky enough to have the time and have the material needs to buy as many books as possible. So in my my home, there, there was this strict policy of no screens on 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 weekdays. So my my day-to-day basis was come hum, come home, and instead of playing video games, I would just read because I would not give a fuck about homework. So I would I would tell my my mom or my dad, hey, I need to buy this book for, for school and I, and I need to read it. So I would uh, bamboozle my, <laughs> my parents into buying me books. So I read a lot and and that made me uh, understand a lot of, of different styles in writing. So I was able to write since I was really, really young. And writing, uh, actually, uh, I, I write it a lot when I was uh, a kid. And in my teenage years, but I had a lot of uh, what I call the creativity runs, which are, I would probably write uh, as many as I could for two, three, four months' time, and then I would probably uh, consider all that stuff to be garbage, and I would delete all. So I've been on that toxic relationship with my writing for the past probably 10 years or so. And and I've been I think I haven't deleted anything I've ri- I've written for the past two years maybe or a year and a half so that's a thing I for sure have have been able to control but I, but I did a lot of that Um write as much as I could and then completely erase it because I would hate myself for writing or 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 consider that it was not worthy of being written so. It's been a, a pretty toxic relationship,
0: to be honest, with my, with my writing. <laughs> I, I, I don't think it's necessarily toxic. I think you just suffer from the artist's anxiety. I mean, <laughs> when, I, when I was an actor, you know, I'd go through performances and I'd, I'd, be, I'd be very, through the rehearsal process, you know, I got a little, sometimes a little too intense, honestly, to be abundantly honest. Um, and I became obsessive with every little detail, every transition, every inflection, every intention, and it came for performances, and I was like, that that performance is good, but the next one needs to be even better, like I was always pushing the boundary, and then I would leave it, then I'd just, I'd be on to the next musical or play, and like I just look back, and like oh that last performance was just horrendous, it was just god awful, oh okay, this, this one's gonna be far better, it's gonna be better thought out, it's gonna be more nuanced, it's gonna be more listening to the, That that's 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 normal, that's normal with, being an artist being being passionate about the art that you're creating and therefore you be, it's also a side of discipline too because you're you're, you're almost striving for, for, for perfection so you have this notion that okay this is not perfection so I have not completed my mission yet so I'm going to throw all, throw all of this away i i think that's i think that's pretty healthy for the most part um, but how did the Joe Abra account come about exactly like how did that because that, that, that seems like your your post monk mode your post monk mode accounts you know before you're blogging and you know it's 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 you're telling me about how you you hardly use your personal account anymore because of uh because yeah. of your content creation account so what was that what was that gradient process like
1: well, in um, my, my personal account, I I just like one of the greatest things that I I've come to realize is that there is like two hours each day that my my head my head completely shuts. So I, I um, at the beginning I hated myself for mm-hmm. for watching memes or or reading comic stuff, uh, but at the end of the day I just accepted that my brain is going to malfunction for two hours each day, so I don't care if I would shit my m- my face with with memes or whatever. So my personal account I just use it for memes and the memes and connect with friends. But the the Yubra account, one of the main things about it is that the thing about there is this meme that I really like that there is this guy in the watching himself in the mirror and he says One, what, once I'm fit all the girls are going to come to me but at the end of the day no girls come to you like they're all bros and guys coming after you telling you hey nice peg or what have you done <laughs> for those cows so my life has been that like at the end of the day I'm as bad as I am with girls and all of my friends come to me and they tell me, hey, tell me about this or tell me, tell me about that. And it got to a point that I was writing to so many different friends of mine, telling them about um, things that they ask or things that they would wonder about. That I said, hey, I, I'm going to start posting them on on Instagram. And then the the main problem with 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 physical stuff and, and training stuff, in my opinion is that people get tired, tired of it. Why? Because they start, they live the same shitty lives, they start working out, they see no results, and because their head has not changed a little bit, they're going to stop training. So I figure out, I st- I would start to, to help my friends on the mental side. So in, they would ask me for training guidance, and I would tell them, hey, before asking me how to train, Try to be five days without sugar, or try to be five days without porn, or five days without uh, going to sleep at five p.m. So I started to do a lot of, of stuff regarding writing to them and telling them more the the, the mental training part, and then it just merged with the, with the YouTuber account. Like there was. This point that I just started translating the text into Yoruba, and then I just told my friends, Hey, I made this anonymous account, please follow it and read it because it's going to be the same thing that I'm going to text you but in English instead of Spanish. So it was a really natural thing to be honest.
0: Interesting. I, I like that because I've noticed that with some of the fitness sphere, it's like there's a fitness aspect to our sphere. But it's done in a much more tasteful, almost indirect way. You know, it's like there's a lot of aesthetics surrounding it. There's a lot of mindset surrounding it. A lot of philosophy, um, some history. In my, you know, in in my physical posts, you know, when I speak about training, I try to go into a lot of details of this, the, of the the, the the finer details of the science behind certain methodology of training and why is it, Why is it? Why it was successful? Um, because. Um,
2: okay
0: like, a lot of, like, a lot of the, the the fitness Instagram world, I feel like, has really turned a lot of people off, because it's, like, a lot of, you know, guys just flexing in front of, I don't know, like, a cruise ship or something like that, and, you know, girls, you know, making gigantic bums, and, you know, posing in yoga pants, like, it just all became kind of the same thing all the time, and the the, the the sphere. So I'm I'm curious too. How how did you find yourself in the sphere? How did you stumble upon it? When 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 did it look like? When when did you see all these other accounts like Wilhelm's and start a podcast and so on and so forth? To be honest, man,
1: like I made my account in the early days. It was called a uh, Dreamer Bra, but the name was your journey to age bra. So I started like. In Solbra's post, or like I actually got Instagram type bra and all the people that say bra because I thought, hey, if, if there's similar guys that use bra as their name, like they're probably gonna think the same as me. So that was my thought process. But then, like, I don't know why a lot of people started believing that I was like this Altakan for Solbra, and like I got a lot of traction and attention for the first five, six days. I grew up like 200 followers and people were texting me, hey, Sol, I'm really happy you made this old account to speak to your followers. And I was like,
2: uh,
1: I have no idea what you're talking about. Like, I'm this guy from Madrid. I have nothing to do with him. Like, don't follow me. Like, I'm, I'm not him. I'm on the way a lot of people unfollowed and a lot of people stay. And one of the, like, one of the first uh, exchange I had with anybody with Wilhelm, with Evil Academy, and we had like this back and forth, and then eventually I did this podcast with, in which I'm still Dreamer Bro because I was the, 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 the name of the account at the moment. And then I just figured out, hey, okay, like, I'm, not, I'm no dreamer, I'm just the guy that, that is going to live as much as possible. I changed it to Joa because it's far, far easier to speak about it. And I was going to change the bro thing, but there is a guy that his name is actually Joa. Rap instead of bra, and I have no way of, of, of getting that username, so I said, hey, I'm going to to leave the bra, but the thing about it, I'm going back to this fear thing, like, I, I, I was teach when I was a kid that bra, it was like this, like this chill way of calling your bros in South Africa and Australia, and people have, have picked it up, like, at this, like, if, if it, if it it is this adjective for people in our sphere, so I really like that because it's, it's really easy to get to know or discover a lot of great people just by searching on the on on Instagram, the double bra or
0: something like that. So it's been pretty cool, to be honest, that part. Well, that's actually a, fant- <laughs> that's a fantastic story of how you sort of got plunged into the sphere. It's like people thought you were this, people thought you were a soul bra. That's absolutely hilarious. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, you go you you go back to my early DMs and there's like people, like like I'm like one of the things that I that I think people like or that I do well, like the thing is my my club is a Spanish club, so my time of going to bed is the time people wake up or their late day, so I usually wake up like with twenty thirty or forty forty DM, so And I like to take the time and reply to them. Like, I'm not not that big. I I don't know, like 1,400 followers or something like that. So I don't really care about the numbers, but I take the time. And a lot of people started replying on the early days, like on the 100, 200, 300 followers. Like, hey, I love how you take the time to reply on this account and not on the big one. And I was like, hmm, I'm not the big guy. (laughs) Like, I have nothing to do I have nothing to do with him, but you're more than welcome to to keep texting me about your thoughts and fears. And people were like, oh, like I, I, I did not know that you were not the big one, but hey, thanks for for replying. And people like started to to realize that I wasn't not what they thought I was, and and a lot of people like actually, um, this guy told me that he felt a relief because he felt like. I was not like, based. because one of the, of, the, of the, not problem but one of the things that I see with huge accounts is that people it put them like in a much higher place than themselves, and when people talk with me and I talk with people, I, I feel like we're on the same level, and people like felt a relief, and actually a lot of people started to reach out far more often when they realized that I was not so great. So, I really, I actually really like that So again, yeah, it's, it's been, there's been like crazy and pretty funny conversations uh, about people realizing that I was not the 20k
0: guy. That's really interesting, because, so, for the people, I realize in my podcast there's sometimes where I might be dropping sort of sphere lingo, and, and at this point there may be people listening who aren't in the sphere, so... I should preface. When I say the sphere, I mean the solar sphere. You know, there's a bunch of accounts of content creators that all found each other around the Great Conjunction in December of 2020, and they all sort of follow the solar ideal, which is the ideal of action. And it's very, you know, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual development, conscious, you know, aesthetic, culture, and, and conscious warfare. Involved brotherhood, restoring man, having man have a renaissance, bringing back heroes, timeless truths and testaments, and that's what I mean by the sphere. But there's there's one guy named Solbra. who he's a he's pretty good looking. Well, he covers his face, but he's he's pretty in shape guy. uh, Has a tan, you know. He's from Australia. Pretty calm voice. He's a great aesthetic account. He has a lot of really great information. He has a, a lot of great original content as well. He becomes somewhat of a polarizing figure in the sphere. Some guys um, almost do some... <laughs> some guys' accounts are almost like an imitation of Solbra as if they're almost like a, a, a follower of his or like a student or like an acolyte of his. And others just sort of take in the information. I, I, I listen to his podcast from time to time. He has some fantastic guests on, like, uh, like Brother Lobo from Twitter. Um, but... What I'm noticing is there's there's this interesting divide with some of the bigger accounts. Like you saw this with the golden one before he got zucked. Um, the golden one was a he's another he's, he's a Swedish man who did show his face. Um, you know, great great physique, very charismatic, great speaker, um, and he's sort of peddling. From my understanding, I haven't listened to to all of his work. I want to listen to some of his work. He's part of this movement in Europe basically saying, like, there's no shame in being European. Like, this is our homeland, and I have to agree. Um, but he's been sort of canceled, and, and Zuck, really, for no reason, he shared nothing, from what I've seen at least. So, if someone DMs me saying, well, you, you messaged this and did this, and I'm like, well, I didn't know that, okay? So, don't get all crazy on me. Um, but they seem to be these, these, these polarizing figures now, like, the bigger these accounts get. Because... The Golden One was sort of its own thing before the, the, the Solar Sphere. But Solbra has Sun in the name, you know, Sol. And some people see him as, you know, as a guide. And some people see him because of some of his business ventures. They see him as sort of like this. this, this I, I guess some people have been kind of treating him as a con man. And I don't really. I haven't really seen much yet to think that he's a con man. I know he has the whole Lambros thing going on. Um, which is apparently like a, m- a monthly membership that's very, very enthusiastic and charismatic. But wh- while he's, you know, he's clearly trying to make a living for himself through his platform, at the very least, you know, on his, on his podcast, he's sharing information that can be very beneficial for he- for people to live better lives. Um, but I guess maybe some people feel like he's really not involved in, like, taking care of the other accounts and, you know, fostering the other people of the sphere, so... I find that interesting that people were relieved that you weren't Bra because it's, it's it's almost like they did want to look up to him.
1: Yeah, and and, and also one one of the things that we, we talked in our early conversations is that like, a lot of us we we met through through Instagram through our accounts, and we are growing at the same time, and we are like it's ridiculous like. Hundred follower difference, but we, we are growing at the same time because our audiences are interlapping and, and being shared. And the thing with Sol Bright, like he, he has this huge audience that is there, and it's not, in my opinion, is not as, as like peeking into the other smaller content creators like us because they don't care as much as the, as the sphere, uh, stuff related. They, they just follow the guy. They don't follow the, the sphere. So I, I feel like at the end of the day, there's this huge figure with his personality and his individuality against us. Not against in a bad way, but like in a contraposition uh, Against us that we are a group of guys. And we are experiencing a growth in following not as individuals, but as a group of guys. Like a lot of the times the, the followers that I get, there's people that, Every time I check their profiles in order to see if, they, if there are guys that, that I should be following, because there's a lot of great people. Again, one of the great things is that there's a lot of people creating alt accounts in order to be part of the sphere and share their thoughts. I have I have a few of them talk to me and said, "Hey, this is me. Uh, I'm Freddy something. Uh, I'm the one that you were talking with. I decided to create an alt account and be part." Of it. So. At the end, and going back and without going down the rabbit hole, we are experiencing growth as, as individuals and, sorry, as a group. And a lot of the people that they're following each other, they're actually taking part in the sphere. So it's like this huge block or this huge pyramid base. And then there is, there is this guy that is so with all his great stuff that it, it's just like a huge statue, statue in the middle of the ocean. So I think that's the main the main difference. Like, I don't consider him to be part of the sphere. I consider it to be not like, of course he's in, he, but not as he one of the, the base of the, of the structure. I don't know if I'm
0: trying to No, that makes sense, because he doesn't seem to be like, you know, <laughs> I've talked about this so many times in this podcast, um, but like, people of the fields, Neil Libertate, Forrest Munden um you you evil academy nature Chad letters from the ruins it, again we, we could talk about this a billion times over we all, all found each other at once but that makes sense it's like we all he was he was on his own thing you know he he, he, he isn't he isn't having the same synchronicities at us because there's no interaction there um maybe he or maybe or maybe he is and he's just keeping himself to himself I don't know, but he's he's pretty well established, and he he says a lot of great stuff. So, more power to him. Yeah, um. So, in your, you know, I'm I'm sort of leading up to this one grand question, which I'm very excited to ask. But before I get there, so you had this you had this weight loss journey, and then I saw you became you, you grew a physical discipline that is something that a lot of people would shy away from. And that's being a triathlete. How did that come about? And where? How did that passion grow?
1: Well, it was probably one of the most uh, bro things that you could ever do. I was getting fit, and, and one friend of mine told me, "Hey, you don't have the balls to do a triathlon," and I was like, "Wait, <laughs> hold my sparkling water because I don't drink," and I decided to that <laughs> <last morning. laughs> And the problem is I, I signed up with one, but then this fucking thing called Corona came, and my my Ironman and I I will run a half Ironman. that is no way near the the, the, the total one. It's the almost a um, a two kilometer swim, a ninety kilometer bike, and a half marathon. So it's not it's not as hard as uh, a full one, but it demands probably like a good 6 month uh, calm train, and then like a really hard 3-4 months prior to the race training but it has been postponed a lot because of the corona so and, and it's actually pretty cool because like I have great genetics like I'm, I'm really lucky in that sense because I'm able to gain muscle really really quick I gain fat really really, really quick but muscle uh, as well I have great legs I'm really, really strong, like I'm actually pretty small, I use a size, a size small or a size medium, but I'm pretty strong for my size and my weight. And uh, the problem with triathlon is that goes against all of the bodybuilding that, that you could ever do because it consumes a lot of muscle. So I'm, at the moment, like I'm this guy between not being fully fitted to be a triathlon, not being fully fitted to be considered a uh, can like an as guy or a strong guy but I'm in the middle so it's, it has a lot of benefits and a lot of uh, bad parts in order to run so it, it, it's, it's sometimes frustrating because I weigh too much I'm 80 I'm 85 kilograms, and that's way too heavy for the bike but I'm really fast running and so I suck at swimming so it's a pretty frustrating thing because I have a lot of flaws and it's pretty pretty cool to see yourself succeed at one of the three parts of the race that fail at the other two. And I like the discipline, the mental discipline that is bringing to me.
0: See, okay, this is why I ask, because you have this family that provides for you. You have this experience of travel. You wanted to go a different route for your schooling, but you heeded the, the advice of your parents, and out of the sake of being financially responsible, you decided to become a lawyer after reading a book about the law given to you by your brother. You have this experience where you get off scot-free, but you still decide to change your life, and then you cha- change your life even further. You become more minimalistic. You try to be as happy with as little as possible. You recognize the elements of a toxic relationship, not just through your relationship, but you can see that manifesting in other ways and you want people to heed that warning. And then you do something like become a triathlete, which as you said is is no small feat, it takes quite a bit of toughness. And you have this writing prowess that's manifesting here in the sphere this sounds to me like a renaissance man and this sounds to me like someone who is striving for this discomfort and growth Yet, the piece you presented me that the idea you presented me to write was called the golden cage and you paired it with not paired it with but at the same time that you and i first discussed this idea you had a three-part post Saying a sincere apology. Now you speak as if you're this impostor, and I don't—I don't see an imposter at all. I see a true Renaissance man. I see someone who's disciplined. I see someone who's kind, who maybe had a, a past of partying, who maybe, you know, deceived his parents into buying him books, which may be a little crafty. But even when you're deceiving your parents, you're still learning something. So I—I I see this man who it doesn't seem to me like you're living in a golden cage. And even if you are, you're not being complacent in it. you're stretching yourself to be the best man that you can be. So why why the apologies? why the, why the golden cage? you still feel like you were in that golden cage?
1: I think the main problem with it um, and wait the first before getting into it, yeah, again, don't, don't listen to this man, I'm no way near a renaissance man, I have much, much journey to, to live before that, but going back to the golden cage, the problem with it is I think it gets bigger. Bigger in a sense that every time you go out, you discover another cage, and going back to the analogy that we were talking last night, um, the, imagine you're this, this penguin, uh, for the sake of the of, of being fun, you're this penguin in, in, in your perfect uh, aquarium in the zoo, and then you get out of the aquarium. But then, you, when, once you get out, you you find yourself that you are in the North Pole or South Pole uh, exhibition, and then there's another door. And once you get out, you see that you are in the part of the of the zoo that it's just made for the for the birds. And once you go out, there's still a, a door at the zoo and once you go out you see yourself that you're inside the park where the zoo is built so at the end of the day i'm just this penguin going out of a golden cage and just when i think i'm about to be out i see a bigger one why because as you grow up as you grow up you start to see and you start to be aware of more privileges that you thought were normal uh, for the people you start to see that hey uh, I always had um, I don't know I always had the my parents go with me on vaca- vacation and then you realize that's not the normal for most people and as you grow up and as you start making a way for your for your own and start living your life as a, a form and Worth it, adult. You start seeing how good you had it, and how good you still have. It. So that that was the main reason be, be behind the, the sincere apology. Because I think, and I believe that a lot of people can get the idea that because I post all of that, I don't live a hard life, and and I don't. I actually my life is pleasant. It's not physically demanding. It's not financially demanding yet and i still live with my parents so it's really easy and i wanted to get out and tell people hey just because you see me talking about this doesn't mean it's the way to go i'm able to talk about all of this stuff because i'm inside a golden cage and every time i grew up and go out of it the golden cage it's bigger and it's bigger and i don't know if i'm ever going to to be out and touch the sun as we as we read on the short point. but that's the idea and that's the idea behind this account.
0: That's amazing. When first of all if, if you if you go through the three posts of your apologies, the comments. are... <laughs> The comments all have the same. They say different things, but they're essentially all saying the same thing. Brother, it's fine. Don't 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 worry, don't worry so much. You know it. You, you don't you do Not everyone has to be that this martyr. Not everyone has to come from these means of of being downtrodden in order to bring wisdom. And the golden cage sounds like something that. I mean, it's it sounds. Just like the relationship with your art that you almost thought was unhealthy, it's like no, like that's sort of the artist's anxiety. That's almost part of the creative process. And you're, I, I love that the, the, you have this. I mean, whether it be the penguin, you know, in the zoo, you know, <laughs> and each each section is, let's say, it has these gilded bars, you know, this golden cage. I love the thought that you that you never get out. It reminds me. I I posted on Instagram a while ago, I was sort of ranting about how a lot of these acceptance speeches for Oscars by men are these sort of dorky, like, oh my god, I can't believe this is happening, like, wow, oh, I'm just, okay, and they just get get all like huff and puff, and like, and and thank you to this person, and it's like, you know, they're not really being men, honestly, Um, and I said there, I, I posted one of Jeremy Irons, you know, in 1991, that was just absolute class. But I said one of the exceptions to one of the exceptions in the past 20 years of an actual good acceptance speech was Matthew McConaughey accepting the Oscar for Best Actor for Dallas Buyers Club. And he, you know, he, he thanks the, he thanks, to, he, he thanks to, you know, the, the people that he needs to thank, you know, the director and whatnot, and the academy, and, and the producers, and his co stars, and whatnot. But then he, he goes into this thing where he says, you know, I need. There doesn't th- in that very Texan I mean, There are three things I need every day. I need something to, cha- <laughs> something to something to look up to, something to look forward to, and something to chase. Um, and you know, he says he looks up to God, he says he looks forward to his family. And then he says, When I was fifteen years old, a mentor or someone close to me, or someone I looked up or meant to, something like that, he comes up and he says, Who's your hero? And I said, I don't know, get me get back to me in a week. A week later he comes and says, Who's your hero? He says, It's me in ten years. And then Ten years go by, he's twenty five. And he asked he asks him, Are you your hero yet? And he says, Not even close. Not even close. And he says, See, the thing is, I'm never gonna be my hero. Because my hero is me at thirty five, me at forty five, me at fifty five. I'm never gonna be my hero. But that's okay because that's that's that gives me something to chase. It, it's a it's a very similar concept of this 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 work never being done. Maybe I misinterpreted, maybe there's there's this sort of guilt there, because you did grow in, you know, sort of pampered means, but, you know, there are people who grew up with pampered means, my brother, who, you know, just 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 continually sat on their ass and done absolutely nothing, and probably had a lot of detriment to people's lives, whether knowingly or unknowingly, Um, so it's you have a very healthy relationship with yourself you have a very healthy relationship with a growth you have a very healthy healthy relationship with your view of your own development and I, I think that's why your your apology pieces were met with oh, I, th- I think that's why your apology pieces were met with um, we're, we're met with so so many comments, like, it's okay. It's okay. It's fine. It's fine. Because, you know, you, you may be telling the audience, you know, do not listen to this man because you know, I'm, I'm nowhere near perfect. And none of of us are, but I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb that the audience and the people who, who we rub shoulders with on Instagram, share my opinion of you and share my view of you as someone who is walking the walk is humble is constantly seeking growth, is never resting on their laurels, and you're greatly benefiting the community with this this wonderful prose that you're putting out there.
1: Well, I'm, um, um, again... <laughs> but, like, another problem that I hate compliments because I, I grew up near a lot of people far more intelligent and physically able than me so the compliments around me were bullshit because they were coming from people that they were really 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 much better than me so i don't know how to accept compliments and i actually didn't accept them. i i just laugh nervously i i look down and I hope people don't ask me how i feel so thank you a lot again there's no way like uh, i i wish you 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 would see the insights, and all of you would see the insights from my head in order to fully comprehend. But I really hope with this golden cage concept, people revisit the CNC Apology post because you come to understand more aspects of it once you understand the concept of the golden cage.
0: And what's interesting too is because here I'm thinking that. You know here I'm thinking that you know that the golden cage is this like thing where you you've been complacent and it's like this sort of release for you so when I was writing my portions I didn't see it as this thing that is this perpetual method of sort of grounding and this perpetual method of of seeking growth, and of staying humble, and knowing exactly where it is that you need to go, I, I saw it as this thing that had this permanent escape, as it was writing, and you, you said, that's fascinating to me, and I, I don't, and this isn't, this has nothing to do with the language barrier, this just has to do with the perception of the concept, and this is your concept, and I, I perceived it in a different way, and I think that's, I think that's probably the beauty of of the nature of the piece too, and it's actually helped the contrast between each section that we read.
1: Definitely, and and, and also the, the the idea of the of the dialogue on the on the poem part which is a, a, a copy of, of Plato's dialogue with, 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 with huge difference between us and Plato. But <laughs> the, the, the the part that I like is this dialogue and, and once you you revisit the dialogue once you you listen to this podcast and you see that there is truly a difference of concept about the about the Golden Cage. Not not as in concept a material concept but more as in a in a vision of the aspects and the details of it And one of the things that I tried to It was not gi- given in my text or, or in the several conversations that we had it Give you all the details about it Because there is the, uh, And you also know like In in my in real life my Spanish person has written a book A poetry book And one of the, the things that has this poetry book Is that I tell that people the problem with people is that we are told that we need to write uh, saying somebody before me was good enough and he said this and I said that and because he said this I'm able to say X and the problem with that is that it kills the, creati- the creativity and one of the things that I tried was not share enough with you or not transmit all the aspects that I feel about the concept in order to n- not to let your creativity flow but not to to cage
0: your creativity. I like that. I like that quite a bit, actually. And I'm, 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 I'm hoping I'm fluent enough in Spanish by the end of the year so I could actually order your poetry book. I've been thinking about that. You know, it's like once I once I'm fluent enough in Spanish, I can read Joel Brock's poetry book. So, I can't wait to order you know the green physical copy and have it in my hands to read. Um. And. Uh, I, mean, I remember you, you. You asked me not to promote it on on um, on Instagram, tied to you. But since uh, since you spilled the beans here on the podcast, uh, I think everyone should. Uh, well, maybe oh, maybe I'll share the maybe I'll share the title later in a post. Like, we could we could disclose <laughs> that later. Just just to make sure I'm not jumping the gun. But um, but yeah, Joe, you know I think I, I, I think everyone is is of the of the same mind as me and saying that you you are a credit to this community and you, you are highly beneficial and I guess my question to you is coming from Spain so we know that we know you told me Ursus Actus is um, he's also in Madrid.
1: Oh. Yeah, and, and 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 sorry for interrupting, but one of the crazy parts about the Prince they actors. Like one day I went to the early to the gym. I posted a picture, and he texted me in Spanish. Like we we, we had been talking like deep in English, like deep conversation in English for for two months, and he said, "Hey, that's Madrid in perfect Spanish," and I was like, "Fuck, are you from Madrid?" And he said, "Yes, I'm from like this place near Madrid, like ten minute uh, car ride," and. I've been postponing on him on our meetup because I've been really, really busy and, like, if, if, if everything goes as it should, I'm going to have a lot more free time now and he's not going to kill me because I've been postponing him for the past four months. So, yeah, sorry. And sorry, the prince again.
0: (laughs) Wow. That's going to be amazing, you two getting a meetup. I mean, there's... There's, been, there's, there's several of us meeting on the west coast, and I, I'm really, I'm really excited for everyone to start meeting each other in person. Um, you know, that the people who show their faces and the people who don't show their faces. You know, hopefully there won't be pictures floating around, and you know, this whole fiasco. Um, but I, I don't, I don't, think that'll be too big an issue. Um, so you know, you 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 two are sort of you two of these solar men. what what do you what do you see surrounded what do you see in men in your surroundings over in spain right now like are you seeing because i i I, maybe we we briefly touched upon this in our in our phone call but i don't know if i asked if there's sort of like this feminine feminized men over there that's sort of this pandemic or you know these soy boy types like what's what's i asked nature chad this um about his native croatia but what's the situation like in spain i'm curious is
1: definitely not as bad as as in the states mainly because we're mm, six times as less people but it's starting to get pretty bad and in addition we have this good thing that is starting to break down that here in spain we used to, and now less, but our fat people or our soy boys were fat people because they ate a lot of a lot of food, but from good source materials and right? from good food. So the the fat people were not these a blob blobby things and with no form, no no bone structure. They were like the I, I used to be like this fat guy, but it was like a, I had a form. I had legs. I had arms. I had like this circular shape but you could see my bones and the problem with it is that now more and more people are living that traditional way of eating a lot of good, of good foods and now they're eating a lot of shit foods, like, a lot of sugar, a lot of soy and people are starting to become these blobs or things that come from like like the, the, the obesity epidemic in the states and it's a more growing on thing and I totally see people around me. I currently have a uh, a really really good friend of of my my masters that I'm trying to turn him in into a normal. Guy. I have stopped going the route of the soy boy because he was going on onto the route. Like, why do you see a guy listening all the time to sad music, sharing all the time depressing memes? You know something is not going right because he's done that crazy style So. I think Ursula uh, actors could uh, possibly agree with me. It's not a big problem at the moment, but I totally see this going way down the the road
0: in the next two years or so. Interesting, because we're we're sort of starting to see in the United States that since we've gone down this road, like there's so, it's gotten so bad that like that the. There's nothing remotely insidious they can say, like nothing remotely ambiguous rather that they can say about the craziness and it's less and less insidious so it's, people are sort of it's, it's starting to backfire because they're, they're just spouting literal insanity now, there's nothing nuanced about it. Um, so I'm wondering if in Spain it's going to be it's going to get better sooner or is it going to have to, like like in the United States, get, get, get far worse before it gets better. I, I certainly... Not far worse, like what, what are they like,
1: Back ahead of you, so like the things that are happening in the states right now are going to happen in Spain in less than ten years. We're we're going down the road, so it's going to be pretty sad to see everything turn as ugly as it's turning in some parts of the states. And and again, and and one of the things that I always tell, uh, this is, this has nothing to do with being political or left or right. It has to do with mankind. The problem with it is that we are getting people that they are no, no way near. What a man or a woman, or whatever you want to be, as as said, as a circle, I don't care. But we are <laughs> losing our humanity. And the problem is that I don't care if you're from right or left, we are losing our humanity. And the problem is that. And it's getting crazy and crazy, and God knows where this is going to end.
0: Yeah. No. I mean, with, with I, I I could see. Uh, I mean, th- there's certainly an argument to be made that it could just get much worse in Spain before it gets better. But I could also see it just getting worse in in some respective, you know, English-speaking countries like the U.S., like Australia, like the U.K. And the, it, it's them going through the worst, and then other countries seeing that since. You know, since America is just such on a spotlight in the world, like I didn't realize that until I moved to England that other countries grow up with their culture and American culture because they have such a hand in media. Um, so maybe that hand in media could switch to if if things get better here, which I do think they will um, that that could help influence Spain, maybe save Spain from having to go through the darkest depths of what we're seeing right now i mean i I told you on the phone I'm in Oakland. And in Oakland and San Francisco, that might as but you know you could pick Oakland, San Francisco, New York City, or maybe L.A. or Seattle or Portland. But that's right in the right in the thick of things, just being absolutely insane. You know.
1: Yeah, definitely. I hope so. I hope we are right, but the, the problem is is the people, and the people are still going to listen to the people they've been listening for the past ten years, and we all know. Uh, who are the people controlling the media? So I think that's a problem. Yeah,
0: I mean, if those people fall, and be a very different world, and be much, much greater world. And there are people who very much think that's about to happen. And let's hope they're right. Um, and if not, we'll still be lifting. We'll still be writing. We'll still fight to the death, plain and simple. Um, in the meantime what are your plans for for what's what's next so i know you have i know you're you're finishing your masters i know so now at this point i'm just sort of curious what you have next like do you have are you just planning on continuing um are you just planning on continuing sort of the same form of free form content um do you have any books that you were planning to share with the sphere um, do you have any other sort of grand architectural ambitions for your content? I know you're very busy with school, um, but I'm curious if you have any grander plans.
1: Well, in early January when I first spoke to you on the phone, I told you that I have plans to not monetize because I don't like that, but I, I would like to force myself to establish a far more and more thought of content. And the only way to do that is to, um, not a paywall, I would probably do it like for 10 cents, 50 cents, $1, I don't know. But in the, in the near future, I would like to to establish this separate content more thought of. I don't know if it would be through a payment met method, or, but I would, I would want to separate some of the stuff from Instagram, just for the sake of having a, a more thought of and... A better place to do the, the writing. In addition, I, my initial thoughts were to, to write a more like things because it's already in my head and publish a book for the sake of having, a again, a more of content. And yeah, I, I wanted to do that uh, on Spring, but I don't know if I'm going to have time, but that's my. I said, my account at the end of the day is pretty, pretty free in format and in posting times, and I don't think uh, it's the content people deserve. So I think there's great people out there that deserve a, a more structured content and more thought. So I, I have a lot of butterflies in my head, as, as we would say.
0: <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. Um... Well, I, I certainly, I mean, I just launched Blood and Rain Books this week. Um, it's it's a dollar for weekly essays and chapters of, of books and short stories and novellas. Um, but, you know, The, the Golden Cage is going to be released on Blood and Rain um, for free because I want all the joint pieces of the, of the creators. I want everyone to see them as much as possible. So, yeah, I mean... I would certainly pay a dollar plus, you know, I'd pay $5. I'd pay $10 to, to read your content, honestly. Um, and I'd certainly like to see it, but I also love how duty-bound it is. And you're saying, like, you know, people deserve more well-formed thoughts from me. I I, I think that's incredible. and um, I think you should be posting books in Spanish as well. I mean, if, if the situation politically, culturally, consciously in Spain is getting worse and worse and worse, then that could be – you could be certainly <laughs> – You could be certainly an arms dealer of some serious culture and conscious warfare uh, in the Spanish language, so I'd very much like to see that. Uh, In the meantime, uh, where can people find you, Joabra?
1: They could find me, I deleted Twitter because there was too much noise in order to share the structured thoughts, so they they can find me on Instagram at joabra. And that's it. Uh, I would highly encourage people to reach out. Uh, I'm more than open to have any conversations. I would, I, I would like to start having conversations and reading pieces with with people that that read me on the basis. Because at the end of the day, I'm talking to all of you content creators that we we think the same, and and sometimes we focus too much on the same topics. And I would encourage anyone to, to reach out.
0: I would encourage people to do the same because he has a lot of wisdom to share, and he has a lot to say, and I think many people could greatly benefit from conversing with you, Joel. Bro. Um, in the meantime, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This has truly been a blessing, and thank you so much for sharing this writing process. Um, it's 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 definitely been one of my, I mean, you know, I I have these rehearsal processes for acting that I go through, and you know, sparring sessions for training and things like that. Um. But it was, it, was, it was nice sort of being in a rehearsal process for the written word. Uh, and, you know, rehearsing, sort of reading it a couple times and seeing it flowed. Um, it was one of the most enjoyable experiences I've had uh, creatively in a very long time. So thank you so much, Jobra.
2: Thank you for having
0: me. It's my pleasure. And until next time, folks, good night and good storms. Thank you. Hello. This is episode 14 of the podcast called Blood and Rain. I'm your host, Arthur Dane.
1: Some of us live in the most privileged social circles you could ever think of. We are born into families where nothing ever missed, where any problem could be solved, and yet we feel trapped. Mankind has always striven for survival, a constant search for food and fused fighting with nature's elements. Survival is engraved deep inside our, our essence. And yet we strive for commodities and grant ourselves with an easy life. Modern day life has taken from us what our ancestors lived by, only to be exchanged with a dream of ease and relaxation. Athletic and hunger left, only to open the door to the stress of modern life. We forgot how to hard gain our food, and we are getting fatter and sadder. There is no denying that we are less tough than our ancestors, we despise the stress of hard work and indulge in the banalities of modern-day commodities. We have forgotten the importance of the necessary stress, what scholars call the beneficial stress. In our humble opinion, there is a much easier way to understand this. We have both, as individuals and as a society, killed the dopamine reward system with constant stimulation without the work through mechanisms that were responsible for the segregation of such hormone. In this context, I have been raised a world where the toughness and necessity have left their spot to the commodities and softness. A world where the norm has been, and will be, the abundance. A dead and not worthy fighting for world. It is often considered very ungrateful to talk about how some of us despise our commodities and luxuries even feel disgusted by the lack of hard earned things in our lives. We are often told to praise the opulence because anyone in our situation would do the same. It is even considered selfish just the act of trying to live a much simpler or less luxurious life seems hard to comprehend from the outside each one of the lives we live in, how we are often told to praise what we have and to be grateful for all the things that they have given us without any effort or sacrifice from our part. If we think about what freedom truly means, it has this dimension of being able to gain through hard work any right or object, being born with all rights and every material possession desirable only takes our freedom away. We are no more than animals in the most luxurious of jails. We are no more than kings in a golden cage.
0: The golden cage is one of the craftiest weapons of evil imaginable. How the energy of its nature has you feel your insides wither and decay while within its confines. You receive flashing visions of your own radiating light within, dimming, as you see flashes of a higher life vanish as quick as they came as if to tell you that you're slowly but surely killing manifestations of your strongest, highest, and holiest life. Most outside this cage do not possess the capabilities of grasping the realities of your plight. Most see the gold frame glittering to be rushed by awe, seduced by greed, and ultimately consumed with a silent, sure envy. Those outside the cage less spiteful but increasingly afflicted with longing, who harbor the intentions of growth and good for you. Will be deceived into words of false affirmation still blinded by the glittering gold. There will lay statements of, Look just how good you have it. And, Count your blessings, brother. This is the guilt of the crowd. This is the propaganda of no author. This is the grandeur gone wrong. It takes a man struggling with his own sanity and rediscovering the true setting of logic. The logic of the modern would see him stay in this gilded prison. The logic of the true only reached in the eleventh hour is what sparks the greatest change.
1: The spirits have spoken, once again. They demand my entire presence, outside the beautiful golden cage. My body dreams with comfort, not with blood and rain.
0: Do not dare shut out the screaming agony of your suppressed soul. You know not the valley of the sun, and it's crippled you. You've bought the con that this glittering, gold-gated hell is the brightest light to shine. The only hope for you now is to spend any surplus life force you have left on escaping. For only then can you be more than just a husk. I've traded these paradise delusions for the cold steel this cage is truly forged from. My mind has thrashed through withdrawal of cutting out this gold mirage. The call has come for me to march away from this facade foretold. Yet here I stand, each piece of line denied my rightful exit. How will you do so? The voice asked
1: and made a point. I was no longer alone between the steel, nor the cold from dusk to dawn. A bright sun is being let through, by the outside friendly hands. Don't be scared, for this is help from the ones who understand. Who will I be, once I'm gone from this cruel and golden fraud? I was let out. Now it is my turn to explore this sinful land. Which is the point of going out and not reaching the sun? For now, I only want the calm of war, nor the comfort of my home.
0: There shouldn't be this many men still sleeping standing in cages. I look in horror seeing the surroundings of grander gilded bars. There are many more to resurrect from slumbers we thought exclusive. For when all arise and all grow whole, the final cage, can crash from camaraderie. That was a piece that is the first joint written piece of the newly formed Blood and Rain books. It is a piece written with one of the greatest content creators, not only in the sphere, but on Instagram, due to him being Once again, not only one of the most talented writers in the sphere, but on Instagram. His name is Joe Abra. He hails from Madrid, right in the center of Spain, their majestic capital. And him and I touched base earlier in the year. and I noticed that him and I were of similar minds about quite a few things. And we got on the phone and discussed that eventually we'd like to do a podcast. But we thought it'd be best to get get to know each other a bit more first. And with his writing prowess, I thought it best that we begin to work on a piece of writing together. And the concept is truly his, and I feel very privileged to join him in writing it. And it's a concept that comes from his heart, as he is a man who truly bears his soul. I'm very pleased to have him on the podcast, and I very hope you enjoy what he has to say, Although. I have no doubt that you will, bro, How are you?
1: Well, thank you very much. Uh, firstly, uh, there is no way I'm here. Those, those compliments you have told your audience, but I'm really, really <laughs> pleased to be here. And really, really thank you. And picking up what you have said, what what truly amazed me. Like I remember, I was deep into my exams, and I got this message from from you, and you said, "Hey, you want to do a podcast?" And, and the idea of it, it has been so slow-cooked. Like we, We've been really taking our time into this, matching our crazy agendas. So this this really makes uh, um, or takes out of me a, a spine I had since early 2021. It's been a really slow-cooked podcast, and I'm really happy to be here.
0: I'm very happy to have you on. Um, and yeah, it's, it, it has, it has been slow cooked. And honestly, that's, what's been, you know, I mean, it's, it's something truly Spanish, you know, to be spending the day with, with, with friends, you know, standing around something you're cooking that won't be, you know, consumed until nightfall. So being of, you know, despite it being Canarian blood, my, my Spanish heritage, it's still Spanish nonetheless. So I find, um, I find that there are no coincidences, especially in this age that we're getting into and, um. This is one of the beautiful synchronicities, indeed. Um, so I've been I've been very much looking forward to this, and um, there's 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 so much there's so much to discuss. I mean, your your writing is so rich, and I'm sure many people want to know the the mind um, behind Joabra, behind this wonderful page that's giving this very fiery, passionate yet still grounded and analytical and earnest content. So. I would love to know more because, folks, for all you listeners, the the golden cage is a concept that Joel Brock came up with as it's something that he feels as where he is and being such a prominent content creator, he feels it's it's something that hits home. So I don't want to speak for you too much on it. So maybe if you could go into sort of your background and why you felt the background leading up to... Why you got into content creation, and why you felt so compelled to to come up with this concept, the golden pa- the golden cage, for this uh, for this piece?
1: So back back in a little like in past October or something like that, I was discussing with one of my of my closest friends how the main problem with with my life at the moment was I, I, I had like. Year and a half something like that i lost a ton of weight i stopped smoking i stopped uh, stopped drinking so it had like a, a really sudden change in how my life was and one of the problems i was reaching i was getting around a lot of people that or did not know me before my huge change or if they know, know me they wouldn't know the whole story so I was talking to one of them and I said, hey, I really would like to start sharing my journey because my like, my real friends are really tired of me sharing the, the same old stories. And he told me, yeah, sure, go ahead. So if you go to my early post, the, the idea behind it was really sharing my journey to old age, how I really wanted to get fit, lift, as 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 fit as possible until i was old but along the way i started seeing all these creators online and they started giving me a dimension that i thought i would never share and there is one thing of going or of each one of our journeys to old age, it's the physical journey. It's really easy to go to the gym, uh, start lifting weights, and live a fit life. But the problem is with the mental journey. It is really hard to stay in in our sanity and go ahead to old age. So I started doing something that 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 most people ask me a lot of: how is my writing process? And I started just publishing my thoughts and at the end of the day uh, I started growing growing Uh, I remember one of my early talks with Iwal Academy Uh, he was saying how my writing was starting to gain a lot of track and and then I started having a lot of people reaching out on how is your writing process how are your ideas being shared so and just as a brief summary my content at the end of the day has left behind any kind of physical progress because I think there's much better people sharing their way and far more intelligent people in order to share how is a proper way to do things. But on the emotional part and the mental side, I think having a Spanish background and having raised with both with both languages as I talked to you yesterday it gives me another dimension of the words so I think when I'm trying to share ideas I'm often more passionate about them just because mm, the way we see words here in Spain so I think I got way of track with the with the introduction but this is a brief summary. I started on a physical way, I ended up on an emotional and philosophical way, and here I am um, with people telling me that I know how to write. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I mean, people are telling you you know how to write because you do know how to write, plain and simple. Um, I, I always appreciate humility, but the fact of the matter is you are immensely talented, and that's why a lot of people um, seek you out, and that's why... You know, people sort of blow up your DMs when you go through one of the more busier periods of your life in school and, and exams and everything. But I wanted to, um, I wanted to keep building upon or ke- keep hearing more about um, a point you just touched on during the writing process. You um, you had mentioned that you were worried that some words in Spanish weren't properly, you weren't properly conveying your intentions in the writing in English uh, because of some of some potential mistranslations from Spanish and my father used to tell me all the time that there's there's this passion there's this energy there's this truly deep meaning in a lot of words in the Spanish language that really doesn't make it into English through translation so i would love to, i would love to hear more about that and i would love to hear you go more do- down that road in, in your experience between the two languages?
1: Well, um, one of the crazy facts about Spanish that people often don't realize is that I think we are, are the big um, three languages. We are the language with less uh, words. I think, it, I, I don't know the exact number, but compared to English that has around 700,000 words, like Spanish, it's really it's ridiculous. It, it, it's laughable. So here in Spain, we have a lot of words with crazy amount of meaning behind it. It's really common to have words that, depending on the context, may have 10, 15, or 20 meanings, so I am really lucky because I started to learn English when I was uh, really, really small, so I'm able to have a thought process in English, but the problem with that is how I perceive reality. I was raised in Spain, and I perceive reality with a Spanish mind, so it's really hard for me to perceive reality as as I've told some people sometimes because reality at the end of the day has to do a lot with the culture you were born in reality for me and you may be the same but we do, we do not perceive it in the same way so the problem with English, not a problem but the difference with Spanish is how for me that reality has less ideas to grasp or to hold on to because I haven't been raised in that way so I'm really worried that sometimes when I perceive the reality and I'm doing my thought process in English, because one of the things that I try not to do and I think I'm I, I do it quite often is not do the translation in Spanish English or English Spanish because on on the translation the famous phrase lost in translation it, it's actually it's real so mm-hmm. you, you lose a lot of um, of important. Um, little details on the translation process so wh- when i think and do my th- thought process in english i feel like i don't grasp as many details from reality and that that is one of my biggest fears so sometimes i might overdo with the with the adverbs or the adjectives because i think i might lose what i'm trying to to transmit
0: see what's fascinating about that is when you sort of analyze the the origins of the two languages and you analyze the you analyze the culture surrounding them you analyze the weather you analyze certain attitudes regarding certain aspects of existence for lack of a better term you see a language in spanish in a very a very with the exception of you know like the north galicia um you know all these places that are a bit more Celtic looking if you go to Galicia it looks like Ireland um, and same thing with El país Vasco um, the most of Spain is is very very fiery very sunny it's, it''s it's a land it's a land of the sun really and it's people are open people are very expressive but it's like they're almost emitting more energy towards towards people when they speak I noticed this when I was um Visiting family in Borussia, I noticed this when I was visiting family in Marbella. Um, it's they, they they speak with this subtext, but it's a much more fiery, emotionally and passionately charged subtext. Whereas having lived in England, there are more descriptive words. It's things are calmer. Things are for lack of a better term. It's, some people have described England as reserved, but I don't necessarily think that's the right word. They're a culture that also leans very much on understatement. They're a culture that also leans very much on subtext. Now, it's, it's almost like you hear you hear subtext being used quite a bit, both in Spain and in England, but in completely different ways and for completely different reasons. It seems like it's more... Culturally wired in the language itself in England and the use of it, whereas the origins of the subtext in Spain and with Spanish are more inherent from the very beginning of a language that's been less polluted by outside entities, you know, post Umayyad, cali- post, you know, I- Islamic, you know, the Umayyad Caliphate that had taken over Spain for quite some time and called it Alándolos, for those, a little history lesson for. The origins of Spain for some of the listeners, but what's interesting is you seem you seem to fill the gaps with the adjectives and the adverbs that you choose. So you're actually vocalizing the, the subtext and you're vocalizing the energy surrounding the words of a language that uses less words in general. Does that does that make any sense? Like that that's that's the grass I'm getting from your writing. My long-winded way of saying. You're expressing your, you're expressing yourself very effectively in English.
1: Thank you. Also, in, in addition, the the funny part about Spanish when people like when an outsider listens to Spanish, there's always these these jokes that Spanish people talk really fast, and it, it is actually true. We're the language that says the most syllables per second. Not words, syllables. No, sorry, at, uh, most words, syllables is English. So we are able to transmit a lot of stuff with very few words in a lot in, in, in very little time. So when I'm writing one of the problems that I face, is i'm used to transmitting a lot in my day today or as we're speaking english so when i'm writing in english or talking in english i feel like my head goes 20 times faster than what i'm able to transmit so then i feel like if there is a traffic jam in my head and in my mouth and i'm trying to to share some ideas, and I'm, all, I'm only on the first idea, but my head, head is already on the conclusion of the fourth idea. So, even, and if you add that I have to use a lot of uh, uh, adjectives because I feel like I'm missing a lot of reality, in my head there's like this huge uh, traffic jam when I'm speaking English because I feel like I'm going too slow, I'm missing out on reality, and I'm not able to transmit as properly as I can. So there's
0: a lot of confusion <laughs> when I'm writing. That's <laughs> I, I certainly I certainly got that when we had our first initial phone call back in January too. It's like this sort of it's almost like this, this sort of bottlenecking of ideas due to like sort of the, the faster the quicker pace of being able to think in Spanish versus being able to speak in English. And um, I remember I was I was speaking with Nature Chad who's who's from Croatia. And we, we spoke after, and it's just like, you know, it's funny, I couldn't get my ideas as quickly as out, so I felt like I was being more careful with my words. Well, that's good, because there are a lot of people who speak English who don't have a filter, and then they blurt out things that, you know, necessarily aren't the best. So I would see that as more of a gift than anything. Um, especially, especially here in the United States, you know, people will just speak everything that comes directly from their minds. Um, but, so... I, w- I would love to know more as well about how you grew up. Like, What was your, your upbringing like? What was it like gr- growing up in such a bustling metropolis that is Madrid? Um, and how that sort of shaped you to who you are today?
1: Well, the, there is this thing that Madrid actually compared to the rest of cities in Europe. It's a pretty small city. Like, we A lot of people in Madrid, including myself, don't consider madrid to be an european city and we call it what what it's called a, a castilian city a city from castilla mm-hmm. because we we have mm, far more in common with the southern part of spain in terms of calmness of not being that rough uh, slow pace but the problem with that is that uh, in the past few years madrid has has been attracting a lot of people from all parts of spain Con, um, at the same time that Barcelona has been declining. Uh, for anyone listening, the, Barcelona was kind of a small city. They had the, the Olympic Games. It blew up. It it made Barcelona the biggest city in Spain, the, the most European, the, the more open and liberal city. And for the past few years, without getting into any of politics, uh, bad choices from the regional government and political movements have made have made Barcelona not the first city in Spain, nor the second, and is on the way to be the third city in Spain after Sevilla. So the thing with Madrid, it has experienced a lot of changes in the past years. So when I was small, Madrid for me was like this con city, because I was used to go to the States. I saw New York. I saw Toronto. Uh, Toronto in Canada. <laughs> I, I saw how the cities work there. And when I came back here I, I always saw Madrid as this slow paced city. But in the past years there has been a change in Madrid. So what I, or what I consider to be my normal daily life, now it has like fast paced times ten. So there is at least for me and I know that for sure that for a couple of my friends too we we have experienced like a huge change in how Madrid works, and I think it is affecting us a lot. Because I'm and, and going back to your question: growing up in Madrid in a this like calm place, it made me be really 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 careful with what I with what I thought, with what I shared, and how I behaved. And then I used to go to the States where it was like chaotic, everything was fast paced. So I had like that duality inside me and now Madrid is going on that same way so I'm starting to see a lot more of my my American personality if you want to call it something like that uh, flourish and come out uh, apart from the calm and relaxed way that I thought I was raised in.
0: that's interesting so that's a similar thing that happened out here in the Bay Area um you know, San Francisco was, you know, San Francisco and Oakland—they're just a bridge apart. So you had these two cities. Well, we call one the city, and we call Oakland the town. But um, you had these two, these two places that, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of culture that came out of there, but it wasn't this sort of bustling metropolis anymore. It had its waves of prosperity, and then it would sort of get a bit sleepier at times, and. I started to notice with the the rise of tech post... I mean, you you had multiple rises of technology from the 80s to the 90s, and then we had the 99 crash, and then we had the the September 11th crash in 2001. Um, But despite that, you had Google and Apple blowing up through the mid-2000s with Steve Jobs and all the Google millionaires making some serious headway, and then the rise of Facebook as well. So you have these three massive companies... Um, all in the sort of peninsula area south of San Francisco, move into the Bay Area, and I didn't see it till later having grown grown up in the East Bay, but you started to see it just got more and more crowded, and you saw rents rise, you saw costs rise, and you're like, wait, what the hell's going on? Um, you, started, you started to see lists of the Bay Area be as expensive as New York City and London, so we knew something was, was run amok, so I can absolutely understand what you're saying, it's just, you know, it, it, it's made it far less livable, even though it's a place that you've you've grown up in. Um, but as far as so, did you you did a lot of tr- did you live in America for times? Or did you just do a lot of travel with, with family, or what what brought you to America at such a young age?
1: Well, I did um, a lot of travel. Um, I used to go to the summer camp, and I was pretty pretty lucky. And and part of it is because I was raised in a golden cage. I was able to go overseas a lot when I was a kid. So, I probably, probably, if you sum up all the times that I've been in, in the States, it would sum up like for three or four years out of my life in separate, in separate months and weeks. But, like, for three or four months of my time, I, I, I've been in the States. Three or four years, sorry, of my life, I've been in the States. And plus, you had the. The, all the influence that I had growing up because I was able to have all means of access to books, movies, internet. So American culture has been a huge part of me since I was really, really smart. Uh, like I remember, um, I, I, I never know the name of the show, but there was this show that I used to watch on, on an iPod at I my friends at camp gave me, and it was this show like of uh, Play-Doh, of Play-Doh characters that fought in a, on, a, on, a, on a boxing arena, so I came to Spain and I told my friends, hey, there's this show of people fighting in of Play-Doh characters fighting in arena, and nobody watched it, so I, I did a lot of consuming content by my own, so a lot of part, a, a huge part of me has been American culture with, without even noticing
0: Wow. And so, what 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 part of what part of uh, the country was the summer campaign like? What 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 part of the United States really molded you the most in, in like in pairing with your your Madridian background?
1: Well, it was in upstate New York, and there were people from very very different parts of the country. Um, and I had a lot of people from from New Mexico, a lot of the counselors were from New Mexico New Mexico, so for me it was kind of weird because there were these guys from New Mexico, which at the time I thought it was Mexico, which <laughs> did not speak a, a word of Spanish. and which the forest uh, travel trouble for them had been going to the camp in upstate New York. And I was like you've never left the country you're from new mexico you don't speak any spanish so (laughs) tell me what's the deal with it so it was like a huge uh, contract contrast for me because here in spain there is this saying that people they don't have money for in order to pay rent but they have money to travel like we are a country that loves traveling because of for, for the sake of traveling and for the sake of Telling your neighbors, "Hey, I have money and I can travel," and and maybe they're like deep in 10k of that So it was really, really contra. It was a huge contrast for me to see people from New Mexico with with very different background of the people from upstate New York in the in the summer camp. At, at, at the end of the day, I had no clue or on how the states worked. So it was really weird for me that a guy from, for example. Uh, New England uh, hated a guy from Texas and I had no idea why then over the years I started understanding why they might hate each other so it it was it was pretty fun to understand the contrast when when I grew up to be honest
0: wow that's um yeah I guess that would be the equivalent if I if I went to Spain and I had no clue why you know the, 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 all the people speaking Catalan would be upset with me speaking Spanish. You know, walking around Barcelona, um, <laughs> you know, they get they get annoyed with me for speaking you know Spanish in Spain. Um, and then you do a little research and you start to understand. But um, so it sounds like so your you, your parents provided quite a bit. Were you an only child growing up, or you have siblings, or I
1: have uh, three siblings, but um, like we all have the same opportunities. So. So
0: at the end of the day, we were always never in cage. Wow. So, gr- growing up, so you, you get you get sent to you have you have a family that seems to you know seriously be looking after you for better or for worse, and you know there's they're sending you they're sending you to the states for a summer camp. You're traveling quite a bit. You're experiencing different things. And how? Did did, did you, what was there, what was the point where you sort of realized? So you mentioned you lost a lot of weight, you stopped smoking. Like, what was the sort of like rise into, you know, you really starting to wither from, as you call it, this golden cage you were living in? And and what sort of woke you up to sort of get fitter and just start your own agency within your own life? Like, what did that process look like? Was it a single event or was it gradual or? Actually, it was a
1: single event. I like one day I was going to bed and I and I got this call from a, a really close friend of mine, and he tells me, "Hey, I'm um, I'm down near your house. Please come down. Let's let's grab a, a beer, and then you can go back to sleep." And as soon as I was going down to meet with him, he calls me and he says, "Hey, uh, take just grab the car keys. Uh, maybe." Maybe we move and we go to another place. So I grab my car keys. I grab a beer with him, and he says, "Hey, there's this cousin of mine. She is having a party. Let's go to her house. It was like five minute drive away, and let's let's stay there." So we were at the party. I was I was I was not drinking at all because I had the car. And then he, he calls me again and he says, "Hey, this party is ending. Let's go to another party, like kind of outside Madrid. It was a like for." The fun part of our Madrid is like outside Madrid, it's a ten, it's a ten-minute car ride. It's like fifteen miles max. So we go there, and then at the end of the night, like six, four, seven, seven a.m., we we go out and then I I grab the car. I only had a couple of beers and a, and a gin and tonic like at two a.m. So I, I figure I was fine. So I grabbed the car and then we we're going back to to Madrid, and then there's these. This police control, and they tell me, "Hey, so get out of the car and and we'll do the alcohol test." And I was like, "Yeah, sure, fine." Like I haven't drink at all. So I take the the alcohol test, and if the normal number, for example, is ten, they tell me point eighteen, and I was like, "No way!" Like there's no possible way. And I ask again, "Hey, are you sure it's not point And he tells me not. So long story short. Uh, the nicest of policemen uh, he told me like no worry he, he, he helped me a lot because he thought that maybe I was not drunk and I was actually not drunk so at the end of the day fast forward again I'm, I'm laying in bed the next day and then I grabbed this book that one of my brothers had, had gifted me and this book has a phrase that I like a lot, that it's, we do not get old, sorry, we do not st- stop training because we get old, we get old because we stop training. And then something clicked in my head and I say, hey, you're you're tw- 21, you're overweight as fuck, you just got caught up uh, drinking with the car, even though I was not drunk, and you, you need to start doing something. And then everything like start following so smooth like I had a lot of exams the following weeks so I was not at home at any moment so I I, there was no way I could possibly uh, eat a lot then I had no party, so I could not drink so it was like a like a lot of um, events that follow each other and then like it was March and I I had lost six kilos without doing anything I think six kilos is close to 10 pounds something like that and I said hey this is working, let's get serious, and, and then everything followed back. Like, it was a series of events,
0: really, really fortunate events, to be honest. Wow. See, per- first of all, that's such a contrast between, you know, police in somewhere like Spain versus police in the United States, you know. The police officer isn't going to look at you and say, you know what, no, you're not that drunk, it's fine. You know, it would be very much... Well, you're you're over the limit, so you're under you're under arrest for DUI. But it's to simple. be honest,
1: like, I was re- I got really lucky, and and I was really really polite. And also, I think I told him one thing that may have been key in order to him letting let me go. That is, here in Spain, you cannot be a fully qualified lawyer. I'm studying law, but I was wondering you cannot be a fully a, a fully qualified lawyer if you have any criminal record so for me if he had processed that that drinking ticket as a as a criminal offense i would have not been able to be a lawyer like i think i would still have to wait like three years from now and this was two and a half years ago so i could not i could have not been a lawyer for five years and I told him that, and I think he'd play
0: a little in my, in my favor. Well, that was certainly smart. I mean, it sounds, like, it's, it sounds like not only did you get a little lucky with the police officer, and there, there's there's certainly, some, there's certainly some cultural aspect. There's a cultural factor here for sure. Um, but it sounds like you finesse this accordingly, and you, you planted just the right seeds in order for him to you know, make a decision towards something rooted in a bit more logic rather than a hardline marker. Um but that's, that's okay that, that that thats that's interesting to me um so that uh, that event right there and there was sort of a catalyst like even though you weren't you weren't under arrest um but that 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 little sequence right there just shook you just enough to sort of get you to start thinking that's 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 what it took.
1: And then it got, like, I I have phases on, on this journey, like, this past February, has been two years, no, three, no, two,
0: two years, yeah since of it. So in those two years, I've been, like, through, call it phases, call it whatever you want, but, like, when that started, one of the things that I, that I took off my
1: mind, like, I, one of the main problems that I think I had in my life, I've been lucky enough to have everything, so... When I, even though I was not probably the best, the best friend or the best friend, I had everything, so I started to go through a minimalist uh, phase, so I got, um, I sold a lot of stuff, um, I I gave people a lot, a lot of stuff, I was uh, losing a lot of weight, so I had to give to charity all of my old clothes and buy new ones and one of the premises that i had in my fa- in my, in my face in my head is to have as little as possible and to be as happy a- as possible with the things that i had so that minimalistic face uh, also helped me a lot in order to be where am i where am i right now because one that face also it ended up like i used to be a, like I was so annoying. I used to be a, a blogger wannabe on Instagram. Like, I had this. And, and the thing is, I was so fat. I was um really... Th- really scared or or not proud of my physical aspect, so instead of publishing photos of myself, I published photos of, of people or or cool places where I would travel, so I was like this kind of blogger wannabe, so I decided to delete all of my Instagrams, uh, my Twitter, le- left social media for nine months, and then when I was fully healed in, in my head, I started to live again but having in mind that minimalistic phase that I had, and that was like October 20, 20... 2019. Yeah, or 20, yeah. No, October 2020. So like, almost October 2020. Yeah, so... so I started to recover my, my social media health like less than a year ago. Wow.
0: So... It, there's a, there's a phrase that keeps being floated around that I didn't I hadn't really heard until um, I hadn't actually heard until the pandemic started, and it was it's monk mode basically, um, and apparently I, fr- I forget the name of the person um, who sort of coined this this monk mode term but there's there's great content creators on Instagram who are sort of documenting resetting their lives, going monk mode so meaning they're getting rid of television, um, they're getting rid of, you know, social media for pleasure, so only for posting, and then they sort of just leave, um, they're getting rid of sugar, they're getting rid of stimulants, no caffeine, no alcohol, no drugs, no sex, you know, no porn, no nothing, so it's, they're sort of really going into this blank canvas, they're resetting, they're going into a monk mode, um, I first heard this last year, then, then I came across uh, monk mode health who began his account on January 1st who he's coming up on his in his first 90 days his, he has a 90 day video journey he's absolutely thriving right now you can just see the transformation in him and Wilhelm uh, evil Academy he uh, he talked about how he went monk mode he shaved his head but I went monk mode by being in the Orthodox Church I didn't know it was you know it was called monk mode I had I would actually been approached by one of the, the monastics at the church if I had been considering life eventually as a monastic and I said at the time yes um, but I was doing it just to deepen deepen my faith and I was doing it to deepen my physical training but it, it sounds like you as well you sort of went into this, this this you went into this sort of monk mode without really realizing what it was so what was the thought process in getting rid of everything it's just you just you just wanted to reset. How how did you think that was going to assist in your sort of in your weight loss? When you when you went down this sort of weight loss journey, was it more than just a weight loss journey? Were you just trying to transform completely as a person? Like, what was what was more of that initial catalyst mindset as well? Well, to be honest, like there was there was no
1: no means to it. It was just a, like a phase, as I have said. I I did not start it to be like a permanent thing or nor nor like a temporal thing i just lived day by day and the process at the end of the day what what really started to to show is that my weight loss had a lot to do with my mental health at the moment because one of the main problems that i think there is associated with weight loss is that in order to be or that this is my opinion of course in order to be fully physical fit you need to have a a fully fitted head because if you don't do that at the end of the day when you are weak you're going to eat a lot you're going to have a huge food hangovers you're gonna um, go to the to the kitchen and eat everything as possible so one of the biggest things that i did that was the hardest for me i started doing intermittent fasting but extreme intermittent fasting this is i think at the time i have i've been doing it for more than a year in a row and i usually uh, just eat one time one time a day so at the beginning of it uh, and in my way to be as minimalistic as possible i eat it just once a day but the problem is that i, I did not know how to handle it so i would eat one time one time a day and um, the weeks pass by and then i will always have this huge uh, meal where, where, where i would eat sugar uh, eat like shit. my mind was not ready for the process so what it really helped of this monk mode was not the where I wanted to go, was being being conscious of the day-to-day basis of being left with as little as possible. So my, I, I think, I, I could probably say that my monk mode has been like separate days. So I did, at the end of the day, my, in, for the past few years, my monk mode uh, has been maybe 400 out of 550
0: days. So it's been a day in monk mode. It's, it's been pretty fun, to be honest. So you, you, it, 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 it sound, As you kept going through that sort of description of it, it, it sounded like you sort of revved up more and more and more excitement. It sounds like this is truly the way you want to live.
1: And
0: yeah, definitely. And, uh, and uh, there's... It's like what's interesting is you you sort of say all right, right you came back to life like you you sort of came back to more in, being more integrated and in, for lack of a better term society. But you you you, ma- you maintain this sort of ex- this extreme intermittent fasting, which is, by the way is actually peddled by um one of the the strength and conditioning minds that um, is, is is a big is a big part of my my training knowledge. Pavel Tsatsouline, he eats, he eats one meal a day because. He has too much work to do. So he doesn't you want to want to burn food. First of all, that's also a very almost. It's like the antithesis of of being of being Spanish because you know you know it's like throughout the day you see a friend you get some tapas here you know, you get some, get a drink here like you said a gin and tonic you have some pinchos here you know it's 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 it's, it's very. It's,
1: yeah, my, my friends totally hate it, but at the end of the day, I I used to be really really strict, and now I'm. I'm more calm on it because I know that if, for example, if if one friend call one friend calls me now and, and says, "Hey, today is playing Atletico. Let's go to a bar, grab a pizza." Like I'm not stupid. I'm going. I'm going to do it because I I I've come to realize that there is far more things apart from being as healthy as possible for the longest possible. So my. my in my head, my positive balance is that at the end of the year, I've been or I've behaved in a monk mode for more than 300 days. So I let my, myself 65 days, that I can, in theory, be more relaxed. So I'm not stupid. I used to be really, really stupid, but now I control myself and, and I... I'm, I'm not an idiot so if someone someone calls me I'm going to go with, th- with them and grab something but the thing that I'm really really strict with is alcohol I I haven't drink anything since uh, August uh, 20, 2019 and I don't plan on going back to that because I feel like alcohol has been the, the biggest determinant for me for all the bad thoughts or the actions that have or had made me who I was be-
0: before these these That seems to be the one that everyone nails down. You have the you have the sort of stoners, you have the smoke. The people who smoke weed, and I'm sure you encounter people in Spain who smoke hash. You know, my mother told me some yeah. horror stories. You know, people who smoke hash on rooftops. Um, yeah. And you have you have people who have the video game addictions. I think another one, another big one, is the porn addiction, but. It seems to be that the most tangible addiction, like when people nail it down to one thing, a lot of it the time it is pornography, but most of the time I hear alcohol. And, you know, I'm a bartender. I've been a bartender by trade. You know, it's been one of my main sources of income for, gosh, I think four years now. Um, but, you know, and when I initially started as a bar back, you know, I had to earn my way to becoming a bartender, um, I you know, I was coming off of training and I was training every single day and I just saw this is a way of painting, paying for my training as a fighter and eventually, you know, making money with writing. Um, so I, I didn't drink at all. I was like, oh, I'll just be the, the, the hardest working man in the room. And I was. But I noticed, you know, I, part of the reason why they weren't sort of inching me towards promotion is I wasn't showing any interest in the craft. So I had to start drinking in order to show enthusiasm to get a bid for a promotion. And You know, I I got into it, I got into cocktails, I got into sort of the recipes and the creative side of it, and it became a very, you know, it became a very enriching practice, you know, creating cocktails for people for certain purposes, it's definitely a creative outlet and I could, you know, draw income from it, but um, I've never had like an addictive gene to alcohol, I've never really, I've never had any kind of problem with alcohol either, but when I notice, like, even if I have, like, one or two drinks, I just, I feel the weight in the system, you know, I just, if, I, I can, I can so do without it, especially, you know, it doesn't make any sense, I'm, I'm, ethnically, if we're just speaking in terms of large countries, you know, Spanish, French, and Italian, and my body completely rejects wine, it's just absolutely backwards, um, whereas, like, a hard alcohol, you know, passes through my body much better, but still alcohol nonetheless, it's just, personally, I, I can do without it, you know, I can just, just what it, there's there's no benefits to, to, to drinking physically at least maybe you can speak in terms of be having a jovial atmosphere but that can also get away from you like that party atmosphere that you're speaking about yeah, totally you know it's just that I, I
1: i used to to limit myself to beers and the problem is that my limitation to beers was having for example a five a one liter bottles for each party so There was no sense of me limiting alcohol, for example, gin and tonics, because I was going to smash my face with beer. And another thing that people don't realize is that here in Spain, we have both really, really, really cheap alcohol, and we start drinking since we are really, really young. So people are used to, and the the most common thing is whenever you have a party, probably every Friday or Saturday, the main thing was to drop a... Uh, almost a little a, a a bottle of one liter, and it was shared between two pe- two people. So you were really drinking what in other countries would be a a week's worth of alcohol in just one night. Because we've been raised like that. There is no alcohol limitation. Uh, people in bars or 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 nightclubs don't give you the the drinks with uh, regulators, that they just tell you, hey, tell me when to stop. So, like here, alcohol in Spain is a really, really, really big social uh, ritual, but also it's a really, really big thing in terms of, it's really hard to stop the, the, the drinking spiral. Like you need to sit down, and, and when you sit down, you start to see all the different temptem- temptations that you have, and... I don't know where the country is, I don't, know the, I don't know the reality, but in Spain, like, for those listening that don't know how how alcohol in Spain works, it's a really, 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 really big thing, both beer, wine, and hard alcohol, so, it was a really hard thing to sit down, nail it down, and,
0: and tell myself, hey, don't, stop, stop drinking. Wow. It's, a, it's a social pressure, too, in a country that's so centered around socializing and congregation as well, it's like, that's, that's, a, that's a much bigger part of, of this, of the day-to-day life there, whereas, like, the United States, it's like, we have to, we, we work our asses off, we work ourselves to the bone, and then it's like, we get, like, maybe, like, one window, you know, like, a couple hours on a Saturday night or something, and you see people get absolutely obliterated, you know, and they're just, the next day, they're, they're, they're just hung over beyond belief on a Sunday, and they barely make it into Monday, and um, I, I remember I, I got dragged, there's, there's um in the, in the Bay Area, there's three major cities, so it's like, you have San Francisco, you have um, Oakland, and then the, uh, further south, there's San Jose, which is actually the biggest city in the Bay Area, and I got dragged down there on like a Sunday night to go see a concert, and the concert was great, but then I come outside, and I see all these people on a Sunday night just partying like it they just they just got off work on a Friday and you hear people like oh work's going to suck tomorrow and I was like Jesus Christ man like people drink like you people drink like you don't want to live um, yeah. so it's 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 a creeping it's a it's a creeping substance it's like that masking of social could actually be the downfall of someone's life and you know you yourself you weren't that this encounter with this very friendly cop and that could have been that could have been you know the, the massive delay to towards your life path as being a, being a lawyer i know you're working on a master's right now um
1: definitely and in addition the main problem that i have with alcohol or with any substance is that the, the, one of the things that i'm starting to feel like that each each year of my life feels like Less and less uh, durable. In, in the means that one year of my of my twenty three years life is not as it's it's far more than it's going to be one year out of fifty. It's going the proportion is much much higher. So I don't want to spend my twenties, which in proportion are going to be the the, the days that feel like the, the longest to me. I don't want to to spend them without knowing what would. What happens? I want to live as much as possible, being the most conscious as possible, and alcohol takes away that from you, both the, the longevity and the consciousness.
0: Absolutely. The key, the key word being consciousness, because there are some people who really don't, whether it be with alcohol, whether it be with pornography or video games. sometimes it can be over socializing there are some people who are just deathly afraid of being alone with their own thoughts it's like that's why they that's why you constantly see them socializing a lot of the time the alcohol addiction is a secondary thing from people running from their own thoughts it's part of this overarching issue of escapism and it doesn't it doesn't sound like you were struggling with that at all it just sounds like the, the, the social aspect just got away from you um a little bit but I, I, I'm, I'm curious again like I, I'm curious so your maybe your teenage years like what because I, I find that when people speak on the the times that develop the most they think of their te- they speak of their teenage years and they speak of the period that you're in right now in your early 20s where it very it's, everyone on Instagram can very, especially in the sphere Can very clearly see that you're flourishing right now, but so you you have this you have this you have this you know very well-off family that's taking care of everything. You live in Madrid, you know. um, I know you have a very passionate, passionate um, sort of dedication to Atletico Madrid. Um, Yeah, definitely. So I'm curious to hear what your teenage years were like. You know, what what made you become a lawyer? Was that is your are your father or mother a lawyer? What what drew you to that, and how how you sort of the the road towards your early twenties? Now that's when, before you hit the monk mode. I'm I'm curious what that was like for you. So in in, uh,
1: in terms of people near my or um, or my friends, you could. You could possibly say that my my teen years were pretty normal, but once you start to grow up and start to comparing my teenage, teenage years to the rest of Spanish people's teenage years, I started to see that I was far more privileged than I that I, than I, than I was worth for. So if you probably pin down all my years since I was 14 or 15, probably 14, that was the, the year Like I had what in Spain we call the... It, it, like the the edad del pavo, which is really like the the, the year of the peacock. Not not year, but the the like yeah the, the the age of the peacock. Because we start going like guys turn like idiotic and start doing crazy shit. So if you <laughs> count or pin down those moments in our know, since I was 14, you probably have like and and I'm really really sure about this. You have like five, four, six events that if those events happen outside my my current social circle i would probably be one or uh, really outside my house with no education or uh, probably alone because there were there were things that they're terrible tor- 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 oh, fuck. fuck! Uh, they're allowed n- not, not allowed but you're able to do them because there's someone behind that it, it's going to, or pay for the for the event that you have to, to pay anything, or be behind in order to tell you, hey, this is not the right way. So I was really lucky in those terms. But my teenage years, I think they were probably based on video games, uh, smoking, drinking, uh, partying, uh, not giving a fuck about school. Because here in Spain, the, the division between uh, school high school and college is not that it's not that clear for the state so i spent 13 years in the same school so the years passed by i i did not give a fuck um and the problem with that is that you have to decide what you want to do with life so i really wanted to do anthropology uh, history and and archaeology and my parents told me hey that's pretty cool but if you if you want to have Hot food on your on your plate, please reconsider. So, so my my, my one of my of my siblings gave me um a, a book about the history of law. I I read it in a, in a week or so, and I said, hey, I want to I I want to go to to study law again. I I went into a great uni for into a great law school here in Spain. Again, I was able because of where I was born. And then my 18s and 19s were pretty normal in terms of of social activities. Again, a lot of smoking, a lot of drinking. Then I got into a crazy and one of the most toxic toxic relationships you could ever think of. I often say, like, I, I really don't like to talk about it because there's a lot of things that I have not, or I have yet to exteriorize, because, and... and, and Doing a, a brief stop on the subject, and for those listening, th- the main problem with toxic relationships—I don't care if they're with your parents, your your boyfriend, girlfriend, your friends, your your whatever, your dog—the main problem with them is that you start to normalize a lot of uh, situations that are not that they are not n- near uh, normal situations. And there's a really really huge risk with that because it takes away your freedom once you start going and meeting new people because there are situations that you're going to behave no way near the norm because you've interiorized mm, situations that they are not or healthy or or normal and and i really want to 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 let people know that, that don't interiorize or don't normalize situations that they're not normal so going back again, uh, got out of the relationship, go on the classic uh, two-month uh, crash yourself that is, drinking, drinking, smoking, partying uh, as as long as you can, and then fast forward four or five months, uh, uh, the the famous event of the policeman. So when when you start looking at my teenage years like that, the only thing that, that I can say is that I've wasted a lot of time. But on the other part, I was lucky enough to have a family that provided me with culture, with books, with um, all the things that I wanted in order to enrich my my knowledge. So it was like two sides of the same coin. You had the, the side of the of the guy drinking and the side of the guy reading while he was hungover. So it's been a, a, a fun and crazy teenage years that probably I would revisit them, but I would not touch anything of, the, of that because I did a lot of stuff that people my age are starting to do now, so I had a lot of, of knowledge of what not to do at the moment, so it's been a crazy journey, like a roller coaster.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it sounds like, too, you, you, you touched upon sort of this notion that maybe you waste time, but... You seem to have a pretty. I think you have a much healthier relationship with that time that you waste, you quote unquote wasted, than I do. Because I sort of look back on any time that I've wasted, just enraged. You know, I look at myself. I'm like, it's sort of like, yeah. You know, maybe I know what I don't want to do, but I don't care because I wish I could have used that time to some kind of training. I wish I could have used that time to with making more money or writing or, or what have you. So it sounds like you have a much more. You have, a, you have a much healthier relationship with that, and it seems to be serving you, and you seem to be at peace with where you're at right now. What's And th- that, that's, that sort of brings you now. So you, you, you had this sort of, you, you, you call it like a, a, a wannabe blogger, but if you're blogging, you're blogging, even if you're not sharing photos of yourself. But so you have this law side to you. You know, you went through you went through your ups and downs in your teenage years. You did a lot of trial and error. Where did the, Where did the writing start? Because it sounded like you were blogging before before you did well, this Joe Bra um, account. The,
1: the the writing, I think, one of the the biggest things that often people say that you people are born with this writing ability or talent. I'm like I'm one of the guys that that defend that there is no such thing as talent. You just, been lucky enough to have the time and have the material needs to buy as many books as possible so in my my home there there was this strict policy of no screens on 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 weekdays so my my day-to-day basis was come come home and instead of playing video games i would just read because i would not give a fuck about homework so i would i would tell my my mom or my dad, hey, I need to buy this book for, for school and I, and I need to read it. So I would uh, bamboozle my, <laughs> my parents into buying me books. So I read a lot and, and that made me uh, understand a lot of, of different styles in writing. So I was able to write since I was really, really young. And writing, uh, actually, uh, I, I write it a lot when I was uh, a kid. And in my teenage years, but I had a lot of uh, what I call the crea- creativity runs, which are, I would probably write uh, as many as I could for two, three, four months' time, and then I would probably uh, consider all that stuff to be garbage, and I would delete all. So I've been on that toxic relationship with my writing for the past probably 10 years or so. And, and I've been—I think I haven't deleted anything I've, ri- I've written for the past two years, maybe or a year and a half. So that's a thing I, for sure, have have been able to control. But I, but I did a lot of that—write um, as much as I could and then completely erase it because I would hate myself for writing or or, or consider that it was not worthy of being written. So. It's been a, a pretty toxic
0: relationship, to be honest, with my, with my writing. <laughs> I, I, I don't think it's necessarily toxic. I think you just suffer from the artist's anxiety. I mean, <laughs> when, I, when I was an actor, you know, I'd go through performances and I'd, I'd, be, I'd be very, through the rehearsal process, you know, I got a little, sometimes a little too intense, honestly, to be abundantly honest. Um, and I became obsessive with every little detail, every transition, every inflection, every intention. And it came for performances, and I was like, that that performance is good, but the next one needs to be even better. Like I was always pushing the boundary, and then I would leave it, and I just I'd be onto the next musical or play, and like I just look back and like, oh, that last performance is just horrendous. It was just god awful. Oh, okay, this, this one's gonna be far better. It's gonna be better thought out. It's gonna be more nuanced. It's gonna be more listening to the. That that's 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 normal. That's normal with being an artist being being passionate about the art that you're creating and therefore you, it's also a side of discipline too because you're you're, you're almost striving for, for perfection so you have this notion that okay this is not perfection so I have not completed my mission yet so I'm going to throw all, throw all of this away i i think that's i think that's pretty healthy for the most part um, but how did the Joe bra account come about exactly like how did that because that, that, that seems like your your post monk mode your post monk mode accounts you know before you're blogging and you know it's 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 you're telling me about how you you hardly use your personal account anymore because of a because yeah. of your content creation account so what was that what was that gradient process like
1: well in my, my personal account I, I just like one of the greatest things that i i've come to realize is that there is like two hours each day that my my head my head completely shuts so i i, I at the beginning i hated myself for for watching memes or or reading comic stuff uh, but at the end of the day, I just accepted that my brain is going to malfunction for two hours each day So I don't care if I would shit my, my face with, with memes or whatever So my personal account, I just use it for memes, the memes and connecting with friends But the, the UABRA account, one of the main things about it is that The thing about, <laughs> there is this meme that I really like That there is this guy in the, watching himself in the mirror and he says one i one some all the girls are going to come to me but at the end of the day no girls come to you like they're all bros and guys coming after you telling you, Hey, nice pig, or what have you <laughs> done for those cows So my life has been that. Like at the end of the day I'm as bad as I am with girls and all of my friends come to me and they tell me, Hey, hey tell me about this or tell me tell me about that and it got to a point that I was writing to so many different friends of mine telling them about um, things that they ask or things that they would wonder about that i said hey i'm going to start posting them on on instagram and then the, the main problem with 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 physical stuff and and training stuff in my opinion is that people get tired tired of it why because they start they live the same shitty lives, they start working out, they see no results, and because their head has not changed a little bit, they're going to stop training. So I figure out I st- I would start to, to help my friends on the mental side. So in- they would ask me for training, and I would tell them, hey, before asking me how to train, try to be five days without sugar, or try to be five days without porn or five days without uh, going to sleep at 5 p.m. So I started to do a lot of, of stuff regarding writing to them and telling them more of the, the, the mental training part. And then it just merged with the, with the job account. Like there was this point that I just... I started translating the text into your brand, and then I just told my friends, hey, I made this anonymous account, please follow it and read it, because it's going to be the same thing that I'm going to text you, but in English instead of Spanish. So it was a really natural thing, to be honest. Interesting.
0: I, I like that because I've noticed that with some of the fitness sphere, it's like there's a fitness aspect to our sphere, but it's done in a much more tasteful, almost indirect way. You know, it's like there's a lot of aesthetics surrounding it. There's a lot of mindset surrounding it. A lot of philosophy, um, some history. In my, you know, in in my physical posts, you know, when I speak about training, I try to go into a lot of details of this, the, of the the, the the finer details of the science behind certain methodology of training and why is it, why is it why it was successful, um, because, um, like a lot of, like a lot of the, the, the fitness Instagram world I feel like has really turned a lot of people off because it's like a lot of you know guys just flexing in front of I don't know like a cruise ship or something like that and you know girls you know making gigantic bums and you know posing in yoga pants like it just all became kind of the same thing all the time and the the, the, the sphere so I'm, I'm curious too how, how did you find yourself in the sphere how did you stumble upon it What when, when, when did it look like when when did you see all these other accounts like Wilhelm's and start a podcast and yeah. so on and so forth?
1: To be honest, and, like, I made my account in the early days. It was called a uh, Dreamer Bra, but the name was Your Journey to Age Brand. So I started like like in post, or I like, I actually got Instagram type brand and followed all the people that say brand there's similar guys that use brother name like they're probably gonna think the same as me so that was my thought process but then like I don't know why a lot of people started believing that I was like this alt account for Solbra and like I got a lot of traction and attention for the first five six days I grew up like 200 followers and people were texting me hey Sol I'm really happy you made this account to speak to your followers and I was like <laughs>
2: uh,
1: yeah. I have no idea what you're talking uh, about, like, I'm this guy from Madrid, I have nothing to do with him, like, don't follow me, like, I'm, I'm not him, I'm on the way a lot of people unfollowed and a lot of people stay, and one of the, like, one of the first uh, exchange I had with anybody was with Wilhelm, with Ivo with Academy, and we had, like, this back and forth, and then eventually I did this podcast, with, in which I'm still Dreamer, bro, because I was the, the the, the name of the account at the moment and then I just figured out hey, like, I'm, not, I'm no dreamer I'm just the guy that's that going to live as much as possible, I change it to Joe because it's far, far easier to speak about it and I was going to change the bra thing but there's a guy that his name is actually Joe Ra instead of bra and I have no way of, of, of getting that username so I said hey, I'm going to to leave the bra but, the thing about it, and am going back to this fear thing. Like, I, I, I was teaching when I was a kid that it was like this, like this chill way of calling your bros in South Africa and Australia. And people uh, have picked it up like at this, like if, to, the, if it, it is this adjective for people in our sphere. So I really like that because it's, it's really easy to get to know or discover a lot of great people just by searching on the on, on Instagram the double bra, or something
0: like that. So it's been pretty cool to be honest, that that part. Well, that's actually a fantastic <laughs> that's a fantastic story of how you sort of got plunged into the spirit. It's like people thought you were this people thought you were a soul bra. That's absolutely hilarious.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, you go you you go back to my early DMs and there's like people like like I like one of the things that I that I think People like or that I do well. Like the thing is, my my club is a Spanish clock so my time of going to bed is the time people wake up or their late days. So I usually wake up like with 20, 30, or 40, 40 years, So and, and I like to take the time and reply to them. Like I, I'm not I'm not that big uh, I don't know like 1,400 followers or something like that. So I every really Care about the numbers but i take the time and a lot of people started replying on the early days like on the 100 200 300 followers like hey i love how you take the time to reply on this account and not on the big one and i was like mm, i'm not the big guy like, i have nothing to do with him but you're more than welcome to to keep texting me about your thoughts and fears and people were like oh like i i I did not know that you were not the big one but hey thanks for for replying and people like started to to realize that i wasn't not what they thought i was and and a lot of people like actually um, this guy told me that he felt a relief because he felt like i was not like this because one of the of the of the not problems but one of the things that i see with huge accounts is that people it put them like in a much higher place than themselves. And when people talk with me and I talk with people, I I feel like we're on the same level. And people like felt a relief. And actually, a lot of people started to reach out far more often when they realized that I was not sober. So I really, I actually really like that. Again, it's it's been there's been like crazy and pretty funny conversations uh, about people realizing that I was not
0: the 20k guy that's really interesting because so for the people I realize in my podcast there's sometimes where I might be dropping sort of sphere lingo and, and at this point there may be people listening who aren't in the sphere so I should preface when I say the sphere I mean the solar sphere You know, there's a bunch of accounts of content creators that all found each other around the Great Conjunction in December of 2020. And they all sort of follow the solar ideal, which is the ideal of action. And it's very, you know, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual development, conscious, you know, aesthetic culture and and conscious warfare involved brotherhood, restoring man, having man have a renaissance, bringing back heroes, timeless truths and testaments. And that's what I mean by the sphere. But there's there's one guy named Solbra, who he's a, he's pretty good looking. Well, he covers his face, but he's he's a pretty in shape guy. Uh, has a tan, you know. He's from Australia. He's a pretty calm voice. He's a great aesthetic account. He has a lot of really great information. He has a, a lot of great original content as well. He's become somewhat of a polarizing figure in the sphere. Some guys um, almost do some. <laughs> some guys' accounts are almost like an imitation of Solbra as if they're almost like a, a a follower of his, or like a student, or like an acolyte of his. And others just sort of take in the information. I, I I listen to his podcast from time to time. He has some fantastic guests on, like uh, like Brother Lobo from Twitter. Um, but what I'm noticing is there's there's this interesting divide. With some of the bigger accounts, like you saw this with the golden one before he got zucked. Um, the golden one was a—he's another—he's he's a Swedish man who did show his face. Um, you know, great great physique, very charismatic, great speaker, um, and he's sort of peddling. From my understanding, I haven't listened to to all of his work. I want to listen to some of his work. He's part of this movement in Europe, basically saying like, "There's no shame in being European. Like this is our homeland," and I have to agree. Um, but he's been sort of canceled, and, and Zuck, really, for no reason, he shared nothing, from what I've seen, at least. So, if someone DMs me saying, well, you, you, you messaged this and did this, and I'm like, well, I do not know that, okay? So, don't get all crazy on me. Um, but they seem to be these, these these polarizing figures now, like, the bigger these accounts get. Because the Golden One was sort of its own thing before the, the, the solar sphere. But Solbra has Sun in the name, you know, soul. And some people see him as, you know, as a guide, and some people see him because of some of his business ventures, they see him as sort of, like this, This. This. I, I guess some people have been kind of treating him as a con man, and I don't really, I haven't really seen much yet to think that he's a con man, I know he has the whole Lambros thing going on, um, which is apparently like a, m- a monthly membership that's very very enthusiastic and charismatic but while, while he's you know he's clearly trying to make a living for himself through his platform at the very least you know on his on his podcast he's sharing information that can be very beneficial for he, for people to live better lives um, but I guess maybe some people feel like he's really not involved in like taking care of the other accounts and you know fostering the other people of the sphere so I find that interesting that people were relieved that you weren't Sol braff because it's, it's, it's almost like they did want to look up to him.
1: Yeah, and, and, and also one, one of the things that we, we talked in our early conversations is that like, a lot of us, we, we've met through, through Instagram, through our accounts, and we are growing at the same time. And we are, like, it's ridiculous. Like, maybe uh, 1,500 followers are different, but we, we are growing at the same time because our audiences... Or interlaping and, and being sure, and the thing with Sol like he he has this huge audience that uh, is there, and it's not, in my opinion, it's not as as like peeking into the other small content creators like us because they don't care as much as the as the Sphere uh, stuff relate, they, they they just follow the guy. They don't follow the the Sphere. So. I, I feel like at the end of the day, there's this huge figure with his personality and his individuality against us. Not against in you know, a bad way, but like in a contraposition. Uh, against us that we are a group of guys. And we are experiencing a growth in following, not as individuals, but as a group of guys. Like, a lot of the times, the, the followers that I get, there's people that every time I check their profiles in order to see if they, if they are guys that that I should be following because there's a lot of great people. Again, one of the great things is that there's a lot of people creating alt accounts in order to be part of the sphere and share their thoughts. I have, I have a few of them talk to me and said, hey, this is me, uh, I'm Freddy something, uh, I'm the one that you were talking with, I just to create an alt account and be part of So at the end, I'm going back and without going down the rabbit we are experiencing growth as as individuals and sorry, as a group, and a lot of the people that they're following each other, they're actually taking part in the sphere. So it's like this huge block or this huge pyramid base. And then there is, there is this guy that is sober with all his great stuff that it, it's just like a huge statue statue in the middle of the ocean. So I think that's the main the main difference. Like I don't consider him to be part of the sphere. I consider to be not like of course he's heal, but not as one of the the base of the of the structure. I don't know if I'm
0: trying to look here. No, that makes sense because he doesn't seem to be like you know <laughs> I have talked about this so many times in this podcast. Um, but like people of the fields, Neo Libertate, Forrest Munden, um you, you, Evil Academy, Nature, Chad, Letters from the Ruins. It, again, we, we could talk about this a billion times over. We, we all found each other at once, but that makes sense. It's like we all. He was he was on his own thing, you know. He. He, he, he isn't he isn't having the same synchronicities at us because there's no interaction there. Um, maybe he or maybe or maybe he is and he's just keeping himself to himself. I don't know, but he's he's pretty well established and he he says a lot of great stuff. So. More power to him. Um So, in your, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of leading up to this one grand question, which I'm very excited to ask. But before I get there, so you had this, you had this weight loss journey, and then I saw you became you you grew a physical discipline that is something that a lot of people would shy away from. and That's being a triathlete. How did that come about? And where how did that passion grow?
1: Well, I, it was probably one of the most uh, Bro things that you could ever do I was getting fit And, and one friend of mine Told me Hey, you don't have the balls to do a triathlon And I was like, wait <laughs> Hold my sparkling water Because I don't drink And I decided to sign up one And the problem is I, I signed up with one But then this fucking thing called Corona Came and my my Ironman. I I will run a half Ironman. That is no way near demanding the, the the total one. It's the, um, almost um, a two-kilometer swim, a uh, 90-kilometer bike, and a half marathon. So it's not it's not as hard as uh, a full one, but it demands probably like a good six-month uh, calm training and then like a really hard three. Month prior to the race training, but it has been postponed a lot because of the corona. So, and, and it's actually pretty cool because, like, I have great genetics, like, I'm, I'm really lucky in that sense because I'm able to gain muscle really, really quick. I gain fat really, really, really quick, but muscle eh, as well. I have great legs, eh, I'm really, really strong, like, I'm actually pretty small. I use a size, a size small or a size medium, but I'm pretty strong for my size and my weight, and uh, the problem with triathlon is that it goes against all of the bodybuilding that, that you could ever do because it consumes a lot of muscle. So I'm, at the moment, I'm this guy between not being fully fitted to be a triathlon, not being fully fitted to be considered a, um, like an athletic guy or a strong guy, but I'm in the middle, so it's, it has a lot of benefits and a lot of uh, bad parts in order to run. So it's, it's sometimes frustrating because I weigh too much, I'm, I'm aiming 85 kilograms, and that's way too heavy for the bike but I'm really fast running So I, have a, and I, I suck at swimming so it's a pretty frustrating thing because I have a lot of flaws and it's pretty pretty cool to see yourself succeed at one of the three parts of the race that fail at the other two. And I
0: like the discipline, the mental discipline that is bringing to me. See, okay, this is why I ask, because you have this family that provides for you. You have th- this experience of travel. You wanted to go a different route for your schooling. But you heeded the the advice of your parents and out of the sake of being financially responsible, you decided to become a lawyer after reading a book about the law given to you by your brother. You have this experience where you get off scot-free but you still decide to change your life and then you change your life even further. You become more minimalistic, you try to be as happy with as little as possible, you recognize the elements of a toxic relationship, not just through your relationship, but you can see that manifesting in other ways, and you want people to heed that warning. And then you do something like become a triathlete, which, as you said, is, is no small feat. It takes quite a bit of toughness. And you have this writing prowess that's manifesting here in the sphere. This sounds to me like a renaissance man, and this sounds to me like someone who is striving for this discomfort and growth yet the piece you presented me that the idea you presented me to write was called the golden cage and you paired it with not paired it with but at the same time that you and i first discussed this idea you had a three part post saying a sincere apology now you speak as if you're this imposter and i don't i don't see an imposter at all i see a true renaissance man i see someone who's disciplined i see someone who's kind who maybe had a, a past of partying who maybe you know deceived his parents into buying him books which may be a little crafty but even when you're deceiving your parents you're still learning something so i i, I see this man who he doesn't seem to me like you're living in a golden cage and even if you are you're not being complacent in it. you're stretching yourself to be the best man that you can be. So why why the apologies? why the, why the golden cage you still feel like you were in that golden cage?
1: I think the main problem with it um, and wait the first before getting into it, again, don't, don't listen to this man I'm no way near a renaissance man I have much, much journey to, to live before that, but going back to the golden cage, the problem with it is I think it gets bigger bigger in a sense that every time you go out you discover another cage and going back to the analogy that we were talking last night um, the, imagine you're this this penguin uh, for the sake of the of paying fun, you're this penguin in, in, in your perfect uh, aquarium in the zoo, and then you get out of the aquarium. But then, you, when, once you get out, you you find yourself that you are in the North Pole or South Pole uh, exhibition, and then there's another door. And once you get out, you see that you are in the part of the of the zoo that is just made for the for the birds. And once you go out, there's still a, a door at the zoo. And once you go out, you see yourself that you're inside the park where the zoo is built. So at the end of the day, I'm just this penguin going out of m- a golden cage. And just when I think I'm about to be out, I see a bigger one. Why? Because as you grow up, as you grow up, you start to see and you start to be aware of more privilege that you thought were normal. Uh, for the people you start to see that hey uh, I always had um, I don't know I always had the my parents go with me on vaca- vacation and then you realize that's not the normal for most people and as you grow up and as you start making a way for your for your own and start living your life as a, a form and it adult. You start seeing how good you had it and how good you still have it. So that, that was the main reason be, be behind the, the sincere apology. Because I think and I believe that a lot of people can get the idea that because I post all of that, I don't live a hard life. And, and I don't. I actually, my life is peaceful. It's not physically demanding. It's not financially demanding yet and i still live with my parents so it's really easy and i wanted to get out and tell people hey just because you see me talking about this doesn't mean it's the way to go i'm able to talk about all of this stuff because i'm inside a golden cage and every time i grew up and go out of it the golden cage it's bigger and it's bigger and i don't know if I'm ever going to, to be out and touch the sun, as we, as we read on the short point. But that's the idea. And that's the idea behind this account.
0: That's amazing. When, first of all, if, if, you, if you go through the three posts of your apologies, the comments are... <laughs> The comments all have the same. They say different things, but they're essentially all saying the same thing. Brother, it's fine. Don't 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 worry, don't worry so much. You know, it, you, you don't. You don't. Not everyone has to be this martyr. Not everyone has to come from these means of, of being downtrodden in order to bring wisdom. And the golden cage sounds like something that. I mean, it's it sounds. Just like the relationship with your art that you almost thought was unhealthy, it's like no, like that's sort of the artist's anxiety. That's almost part of the creative process. And you're, I, I love that the, the, you have this. I mean, whether it be the penguin, you know, in the zoo, you know, <laughs> and each each section is, let's say, it has these gilded bars, you know, this golden cage. I love the thought that you that you never get out. It reminds me. I posted on Instagram a while ago, I was sort of ranting about how a lot of these acceptance speeches for Oscars by men are these sort of dorky, like, oh my god, I can't believe this is happening, like, wow, oh, I'm just, okay, and they just get all like huff and puff, and like, and, th- and thank you to this person, and it's like, you know, they're not really being men, honestly, um, and I said there, I posted one of Jeremy Irons, you know, in 1991, that was just absolute class. But I said one of the exceptions to. One of the exceptions in the past 20 years of an actual good acceptance speech was Matthew McConaughey accepting the Oscar for Best Actor for Dallas Buyers Club. And he, you know, he thanks the people that he needs to thank, you know, the director and whatnot, and the academy, and, and the producers, and his co stars, and whatnot. But then he, he goes into this thing where he says, you know, I need. There th- isn't in that very I mean, There are three things I need every day. I need something to cha- <laughs> something to, something to look up to, something to look forward to, and something to chase. Um, and you know, he says he looks up to God. He says he looks forward to his family. And then he says, when I was 15 years old, a mentor, or someone close to me, or someone I looked up or a mentor, something like that, he comes up and he says, "Who's your hero?" And I said, "I don't know. Get me get back to me in a week." A week later, he comes and says, "Who's your hero?" He says, "It's me in 10 years." And then. 10 years go by, he's 25, and he asks, he asks him, are you, you here yet? And he says, not even close, not even close, and he says, see, the thing is, I'm never going to be my hero, because my hero is me at 35, me at 45, me at 55, I'm never going to be my hero, but that's okay, because that's, that's, that gives me something to chase. It, it's, it's a very similar concept of this, this, this work never being done. Maybe I misinterpreted... It may, may, maybe there's there's this sort of guilt there because you did grow in, you know, sort of pampered means, but, you know, there are people who grew up with pampered means, my brother, who, you know, <laughs> just, <laughs> just, continue, just continually sat on their ass and done absolutely nothing and probably had a lot of detriment to people's lives, whether knowingly or unknowingly. Um, so... It, it's you have a very healthy relationship with yourself you have a very healthy relationship with the growth you have a very healthy healthy relationship with your view of your own development and I, I think that's why your your apology pieces were met with oh, I, th- I think that's why your apology pieces were met with um, we're we're met with so so many comments like it's okay it's okay it's fine it's fine because you know you you may be telling the audience you know do not listen to this man because you know i'm i'm nowhere near perfect and none of of us are but i'm i'm gonna go out on a limb that the audience and the people who who we rub shoulders with on instagram share my opinion of you and share my view of you as someone who is walking the walk is humble is constantly seeking growth, is never resting on their laurels, and you're greatly benefiting the community with this this wonderful prose that you're putting out there.
1: Well, I'm, um, um, again... <laughs> but, like, another problem that I hate compliments, because I, I grew up near a lot of people far more... Intelligent and physically able than me, so the compliments around me were bullshit because they were coming from people that they were really, really, really much better than me. So I don't know how to accept compliment, and I actually don't accept them. I I just laugh uh, nervously. I I look down and <laughs> hope people don't ask me how I feel. So thank you a lot. Again, there's no way. Like uh, I I wish you 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 would see. Um, the insights, and all of you would see the insights from my head in order to fully comprehend. But I really hope with this Golden Cage concept, people revisit the since apology post. Because you come to understand more aspects of it once you understand the concept of the Golden Cage.
0: And what's interesting too is because here I'm thinking that You know here I'm thinking that you know that the golden cage is this like thing where you've been complacent and it's like this sort of release for you so when I was writing my portions I didn't see it as this thing that it's this perpetual method of sort of grounding and this perpetual method of of seeking growth, and of staying humble, and knowing exactly where it is that you need to go, I I saw it as this thing that had this permanent escape, as it was writing, and you, you said, that's fascinating to me, and I don't, and this isn't, this has nothing to do with the language barrier, this just has to do with the perception of the concept, and this is your concept, and I, I perceived it in a different way, and I think that's, I think that's probably the beauty of, of the nature of the piece, too, and it's actually helped the contrast between each section that we read.
1: Definitely, and, and, and also the, the, the idea of the, of the dialogue on the, on the poem part, which is a, a, a copy of of Plato's dialogues with with, with with huge difference between us and Plato. But <laughs> the, the, the the part that I like is this dialogue. And and once you you revisit the dialogue, once you you listen to this podcast, and you see that there is truly a difference of concept about the about the golden cage. Not not as in concept a material concept, but more as in a in a vision of the aspects and the details of it and one of the things that i tried to it was not given in my text or or in the several conversations that we had give you all the details about it because there is the uh, and you also know like in, in my in real life my spanish persona has written a book a poetry book and one of the the things that has this poetry book is that i tell that people The problem with people is that we are told that we need to write uh, saying somebody before me was good enough and he said this and i said that and because he said this i'm able to say x and the problem with that is that it kills the create the creativity and one of the things that i tried was not share enough with you or not transmit all the aspects that i feel about the concept in order to not, not to let your creativity flow but not to to
0: cage your creativity. I like that. I like that quite a bit, actually. And I'm, 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 I'm hoping I'm fluent enough in Spanish by the end of the year so I can actually order your poetry book. I've been thinking about that. You know, it's like once, I, once I'm fluent enough in Spanish, I can read Joel Brock's poetry book. So, I can't wait to order, you know, the green physical copy and have it in my hands to read. Um. And. Uh, I, mean, I remember you, you. You asked me not to promote it on on um, on Instagram, tied to you. But since uh, since you spilled the beans here on the podcast, uh, I think everyone should. Uh, well, maybe oh, maybe I'll share the maybe I'll share the title later in a post. Like, we can just, we can <laughs> disclose that later. Just just to make sure I'm not jumping the gun. But um, but yeah, Joe, you know I think I I, I think everyone. Is, is is of the of the same mind as me, and in, in saying that you you are a credit to this community, and you you are highly beneficial, and, I guess my question to you, is coming from Spain, so, we know that we know you told me Ursus Actus is um, he's also in Madrid.
1: Yeah, and I'm and, and, and sorry for interrupting, but one of the crazy parts about the Prince Ushu actors, like one day I went to the early to the gym, I posted a picture and he texted me in Spanish, like we, we, we had been talking like deep in English, like deep conversation in English for, for two months, and he said, hey, that's Madrid in perfect Spanish, and I was like, fuck, are you from Madrid? And he said, yes, I'm from like this place near Madrid, like 10 minute uh, car ride, and I've been postponing on him on our meetup because I've been really, really busy. And, like, if 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 everything goes as it should, I'm going to have a lot more free time now, and he's not going to kill me because I've been postponing him for the past four months. So, yeah, sorry. And sorry, the prince again.
0: <laughs> wow. That's going to be amazing, you two getting a meetup. I mean, there's... There's several of us meeting on the West Coast, and I'm really, I'm really excited for everyone to start meeting each other in person. Um, you know, the, the people who show their faces and the people who don't show their faces. You know, hopefully there won't be pictures floating around, you know, on this whole fiasco. Um, but I don't, I, don't, I don't think that'll be too big an issue. Um, so, you know, you, you, you two are sort of, you two of these solar men... What, what do you what do you see surrounded? What do you see in men in your surroundings over in Spain right now? Like, are you seeing because I, I, I maybe we, we briefly touched upon this in our in our phone call. But I don't know if I asked if there's sort of like this femin, feminized men over there. That's sort of this pandemic or, you know, these soy boy types like what's what's I asked nature, Chad, this um, about his native Croatia. But what's the situation like in Spain? I'm curious
1: is definitely not as bad as, the, as in the States, mainly because we're mm, six times as less people, but it's starting to get pretty bad, and in addition we have the, this good thing that is starting to break down, that here in Spain we used to, that, and now less, but our fat people or our soy boys were fat people because they ate a lot of a lot of food, but from good source materials and right? from good food. So the the fat people were not these they uh, blob blobby things and with no form, no no bone structure. They were like the I, I used to be like this fat guy, but it was like a, I had a form. I had legs. I had arms. I had like this circular shape, but you could see my bones and the problem with it is that now more and more people are living that traditional way of eating a lot of good, of good foods and now they're eating a lot of shit foods, like, a lot of sugar, a lot of soy and people are starting to become these blobs or things that come from like like the, the, the obesity epidemic in the states and it's a more growing on thing and i totally see people around me i currently have a uh, a really really good friend of, of my my masters that i'm trying to turn him in, into a normal guy i have stopped going the route of the soy boy because he was going on onto the route. like why do you see a guy listening all the time to sad music sharing all the time depressing memes you know something is not going right because he's down that crazy style so I think also uh, actors could uh, possibly agree with me. It's not a big problem at the moment, but I totally see this going way down the the road
0: in the next two years or so. Interesting, because we're we're sort of starting to see in the United States that since we've gone down this road, like there's so, it's gotten so bad that like that the. There's nothing remotely insidious they can say, like, nothing remotely ambiguous, rather, that they can say about the craziness, and it's less and less insidious, so it's, people are sort of, it's, it's starting to backfire, because they're, they're just spouting literal insanity now. There's nothing nuanced about it. Um, so I'm wondering if in Spain it's going to be, it's going to get better sooner, or is it going to have to, like like in the United States, get, get, get far worse before it gets better? I, I certainly... Not far worse. Like, what, what are they... Like, a bank ahead of you
1: so like, the things that are happening in the States right now are going to happen in Spain in less than 10 years we're going down the road so it's going to be pretty sad to see everything turn as ugly as it's turning in some parts of the States and, and again and, and one of the things that I always tell is, this, is, this has nothing to do with being political or left or right has to do with mankind, and the problem with it is that we are getting people that they're nowhere, no way near men or women or whatever you want to be as, as great sense say it's a circle I don't care, but we are <laughs> losing our humanity, and the problem is that, I don't care if you're from right or left, we are losing our humanity, and the problem is that and it's getting crazy and crazy and God knows where this is going to end.
0: Yeah, I mean, with with, with, I I, I could see, uh, I mean, there's certainly an argument to be made that it could just get much worse in Spain before it gets better, but I could also see it just getting worse in in some respective, you know, English-speaking countries like the US, like Australia, like the UK, and it's them going through the worst and then other countries seeing that since you know, since America is just such on a spotlight in the world, like, I didn't realize that until I moved to England that other countries grow up with their culture and American culture because they have such a hand in media. Um, so maybe that hand in media could switch to, if, if things get better here, which I do think they will, um, that that could help influence Spain, maybe save Spain from having to go through the darkest depths of what we're seeing right now. I mean, I, I told you on the phone I'm in Oakland, and in Oakland and San Francisco that might as but you know, you could pick Oakland, San Francisco, New York City or maybe LA or Seattle or Portland, but that's right in the right in the thick of things just being absolutely insane, you know.
1: Yeah, definitely. I hope so. I hope you're we right, but the, the problem is is the people and the people are still going to listen to the people they've been listening for the past ten years and we all know uh, who are the people controlling the media? So I think that's a problem.
0: Yeah, I mean, those people fall, and be a very different world, and be a much, much greater world, and there are people who very much think that's about to happen, and let's hope they're right. Um, and if not, we'll still be lifting, we'll still be writing, we'll still fight to the death, plain and simple. Um, in the meantime what are your plans for, for what's, what's next? So I know you have, I know you're, you're finishing your master's. I know. So now at this point, I'm just sort of curious what you have next. Like, do you have, are you just planning on continuing, um, are you just planning on continuing sort of the same form of free form content? Um, do you have any books that you were planning to share with the sphere um, do you have any other sort of grand architectural ambitions for your content? I know you're very busy with school, um, but I'm curious if you have any grander plans.
1: Well, in early January when I first spoke to you on the phone, I told you that I have plans to not monetize because I don't like them, but I, I would like to force myself to establish a far more and more thought-of content. And the only way to do that is to um, not a paywall. I would probably do it like for ten cents, fifty cents, one dollar. I don't know. but in the in the near future, I would like to to establish this separate content, more thought of. I don't know if it would be through a payment met method or. But I would I would want to separate some of the stuff from Instagram, just for the sake of having a a more thought of and better place to do the, the writing. In addition, I, my initial thoughts were to, to write a more, more like for yeah. because it's already in my head, I and mean, I'm always for the sake of genre having a, again, a more thought of content. And yeah, I, I won't to do that on the screen, but I don't know if I'm going to have time, but that's my, my, my idea. So on the short-term, myself to be more constant because as, as you have said my account at the end of the day it's pretty pretty free in format and in posting times and i don't think uh, it's the content people deserve so i think there's great people out there that deserve a, a more structural content and more thought so i i have a lot of butterflies in my head as, as we would say.
0: i like that i like that a lot um well, I, I certainly, I mean, I just launched Blood and Rain Books this week. Um, it's it's a dollar for weekly essays and chapters of, of books and short stories and novellas. Um, but, you know, The, the Golden Cage is going to be released on Blood and Rain um, for free because I want all the joint pieces of the, the creators. I want everyone to see them as much as possible. So, yeah, I mean... I would certainly pay a dollar plus you know i'd pay five dollars I'd pay ten dollars to to read your content honestly um, and i'd certainly like to see it, but I also love how duty bound it is and you're saying like you know people deserve more well-formed thoughts from me i I, I think that's incredible and um, I think you should be posting books in Spanish as well i mean if, if the situation politically culturally consciously in Spain is getting worse and worse and worse, then that could be you could be certainly. <laughs> You could be certainly an arms dealer of some serious culture and conscious warfare uh, in the Spanish language, so I'd very much like to see that. Uh, In the meantime, uh, where can people find you, Joabra?
1: They could find me, I deleted Twitter because there was too much noise in order to share the structured thoughts, so they they can find me on Instagram at joabra. And that's it. Uh, I would highly encourage people to reach out. Uh, I'm more than open to have any conversations. I would, I, I would like to start having conversations and reading pieces with with people that that read me on the basis. Because at the end of the day, I'm talking to all of you content creators that we we think the same, and and sometimes we focus too much on the same topics. And I would encourage anyone to, to reach out.
0: I would encourage people to do the same because he has a lot of wisdom to share and he has a lot to say. And I think many people could greatly benefit from conversing with you, Joel, bro. Um, in the meantime, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This has truly been a blessing. And thank you so much for sharing this writing process. Um, it's, it's it's definitely been one of my, I mean, you know, I, I have these rehearsal processes for acting that I go through and, you know, sparring sessions for training and things like that. Um, but it was, it, was, it was nice sort of being in a rehearsal process for the written word. Uh, and You know, rehearsing, sort of reading it a couple times and seeing it flowed. Um, it was one of the most enjoyable experiences I've had uh, creatively in a very long time. So thank you so much, Jobra.
2: Thank you for
0: having me. It's my pleasure. And until next time, folks, good night and good storms. Thank you.